You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. Of course, we are here with Mike. Yes, I am here. Um, I've been on, I think, every... Almost every episode. I need... I need... I need a break. Okay, but see, here's the thing. You have control issues. So even if I were to do a podcast episode without you, you would be like, no. I don't think I have control issues in so much as I have organization issues. And I need things to be orderly. Mainly because I don't want a repeat of last week's episode. Um, I see no problem. Which was fun, but oh god, I don't know that we actually really provided any good information on that episode. I think we provided Um, lovely information, thank you. Tonight's episode is, uh, I think, going to be kind of a fun one. Uh, We are going to be kind of riffing a little bit like we we have been lately, but but we actually do have some some points of discussion. Um, And these points were actually referred to us by uh, a A student of ours. A student of ours and a, a listener. Uh, to the podcast, and uh, we just want to say thank you so much, Ashley, for these yes, suggestions. thank you, Ashley. Um, yeah, and you know, and those of you who've listened to the podcast, um, you know, since we we kind of began, um, we'll probably notice some some uh, uh, recurring themes. Uh, but this is, I think, these are always good things. I think for us to, to touch upon again, and um, hopefully tonight we'll have an opportunity to kind of dive in a little bit more into uh, to each of these. So, all right, let's uh, let's do this. Okay. So I, I basically just kind of have a list of the points that Ashley brought up because I figured in look in looking at what she she wanted us to kind of address, I figured it to be honest would just be easier just to kind of go down the list of suggestions or a list of questions that she had. Okay. That way I was like, okay, now we can make sure we touch upon everything. Okay. Right? Because I'm always concerned that we'll miss something and, or pretend, potentially put something on the podcast that will create more questions than answers. Okay. So all right. So the first thing that, that we want to talk about is good judgment. And how to cultivate good judgment, particularly in spiritual practice. Um, And when I say spiritual practice, I want to just kind of clarify. I'm not just talking witchcraft. We're talking folk magic. We're talking any other kind of alternative spirituality, right? And I'm focusing specifically on alternative spiritualities because Abrahamic faiths and other types of spiritual beliefs that are identified as religions, you don't need good judgment because you have somebody who makes all of those decisions for you. Um, so I think that's going to kind of lead me to the first thing that I want to say around good judgment. I think to be able to really start to cultivate good judgment, the first thing you have to do is get to a position of understanding that all of your answers can't come from external sources. Or rather, the answers that you might get from external sources still need to kind of line up with where you are at as an individual in mm-hmm. your own experience and belief. I'm not talking UPG here, right? But um, you know, but I think it's important, and I'm sure you'll agree, and, and you'll have something to add to this in a moment, Austin. I'm sure you'll agree that we need to recognize our own sense of power when it comes to the decisions that we're making and the way that our spiritual path is progressing, right? Mm-hmm. So, how would you suggest to our listeners? What what are what are some very practical ways to cultivate good judgment? Well, one using critical thinking skills and common sense. Mm-hmm. If something seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, another couple things is you got to look for red flags. If someone is 
um, well, I don't want to necessarily necessarily say red flags, but if someone's claiming we're going to we're going to go into red flags, flags specifically kind of closer to the end of the episode okay. because that is here that it's here on the list. Okay, but if someone's cl- basically if you're getting an external source and someone's claiming X Y Z, then you need to be able to ask them to back that up. They need to be, be able to provide lineage for lack of a better term. Um, you know, you're not going to go to uh, Ricky practitioner and go okay well who am i learning from and their response is i just learned reiki from meditation and they don't actually have verifiable lineage that's not how that works um if if you're only learning from people on tiktok instagram social media stuff like that, that um then you need to make sure that you understand that those are maximum three minute videos sometimes 10 minute videos depending on the creator um, I don't think I don't think any of the witch talk creators actually have the ability to do a ten minute video. Um, at this, I've point. seen ten minute videos on which or, or, or on TikTok. Um, I, I hate that we reference TikTok as a source of communication and information on this podcast. Well, here's the thing: that's because that's 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 um, where most. But it is a very trending one. It's yeah. a very trendy one. Um, but you have to understand that that's three minutes. Mm-hmm. That is three minutes that person has taken. Mm-hmm to create a pretty video with either effects or dramatizations and while it may make your serotonin receptors fire off and it may give you that that endorphin it doesn't necessarily mean that it's real or true so always double checking yourself making sure that you're getting from at least three sources um, and seeing that that information lines up and is verifiable okay you talked about critical thinking and common sense, and Ooh, it's a lack. It seems more and more like these are traits or qualities, just very human traits and qualities that seem to be lacking. It's almost like these things are kind of slowly being programmed or bred out of us, mm-hmm. um, and that concerns me because uh, we just we see as a result a lot of people making some really unfortunate life choices. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that though, I, I want to see and I want I want to kind of hear what your, your opinion on this is. I, I would also say in the process of trying to cultivate a good judgment or maybe we should just say better judgment around these kinds of spiritual issues. Um, I, I often tell my students that it's a good idea um, at the beginning particularly as you're kind of getting involved in whatever the practice or or tradition may be um, to maintain a healthy sense of skepticism and I would even say to be discriminatory in what you are choosing to take in to your own belief system I think that we've fallen into this situation now because of a lack of critical thinking and because of a lack of common sense and just in general a lack of, of readily available knowledge on a lot of our information on a lot of things right i think we see this phenomenon happening where like every every piece of information that we get you know um every everything we read every book we read every article on the internet we look at that we read it and we automatically take that in and it's like it almost very much becomes this like well i read it now it's a part of my belief and there's no middle ground there there's no middle process there like well i read it and it's bullshit and I'm not going to incorporate this into my belief system or I read it and I understand based on the perspective of the person who wrote this or 
created this, whatever this is, this information, right? Whatever form the information may be in. Um, I understand that for the, for the person who created this, this is very much their perspective and their mm -hmm. reality and experience, but that doesn't mean that it also now needs to be mine. And I'm, I don't believe this. I'm not going to put my belief or my faith in this because it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Right. Um, you know, and, I, th I think that's something that's missing there, right? And now, now having said that, I do want to be very clear that there will be people that will present things that we won't believe or that we don't want to believe, mm -hmm. but those will still be things that are actually based by fact, right? Yeah. Like if somebody tells us that, well, that's okay. Anyway, I think I've made my point. So, so we do have to be very careful about mm -hmm. that, right? But I would say healthy skepticism and being, I think, I would say even beyond just critical, but even being discriminatory in our sources for information and what we choose to, to make our belief is, is necessary. It has to be because there's just too much bad information out there. There are too many people out there that are willing to say whatever the hell they can to get you to buy in. Um, and that would be one of the other things I would, again, I would recommend. Do you have anything you'd like to add to that? No, the, the, those are all good points. The, the the biggest thing you need to make sure that you... Going back to, like, you don't want to believe it. Um, not everything is a sign. Right? Yeah. And so I, I, I have gotten questions a lot from students. Like, oh, I saw this. Oh, I saw this. Oh, and this happened. And it's like, okay, but that's not a sign. And a lot of these students are students who are coming from a more new age light worker perspective who are trying to deprogram from that. And I'm so like, you mean the new Christianity? Yes. So they're trying to deprogram from that. And I'm like, not everything's a sign. If you see a snake moving through your garden, guess what? It's migrating season right now. They're 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 moving and they're getting they're they're getting ready to go underground while it gets colder. There's no special reason. Grandma's not trying to talk to you. Lucifer's not trying to send you a message. If you have to ask, chances are it's not a sign. Well, and would you agree? Because I think we've discussed this this particular thing before on the podcast. Would you agree that if a spirit really were in the position to be needing to communicate with you, you know, a spirit of whatever kind, right? An ancestor... Mm -hmm. God, whatever, you know, whatever, right? They're they're going to probably give you something a little more tangible than, I came out of my apartment this morning and there mm -hmm. was a bird feather on the sidewalk yeah. in front of me. Right? They're probably going to give you something a little more solid than that. Right? Exactly. Uh, because they don't want those signs to be confused. You know, and if it needs to be communicated to you, they'll make sure you get the message. Right? Um, so what's your... What would you have to say, um, continuing to kind of along the line of what I was saying a moment ago about uh, being, you know, skeptical and discriminatory in our learning, um, and just moving from there onto the, just the top, the topic or the concept of just learning, right? I think that one of the other things that we need to do to develop good judgment is we need to have a good understanding of the spectrum of information that exists, right? Yes. It's probably a dumb word, spectrum. We just hear that word in so many ways in our in our world now. I don't the, think it's the range, dumb word. the scope. Of information I don't think it's out there. I think spectrum right? is, um, is, is is prime, but <clears throat> basically, there's so much out there, and I think that it's a good idea for us to all get into the habit of taking in and, and doing research and reading, taking in information. Um, 
even with the understanding that it's something like I'm never going to really incorporate this into my own practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like I, this is a conversation we have a lot with people now, particularly around appropriated traditions or closed practices, right? Where you've got all these people that are like, well, I, I want to learn more about ATRs, um, but I don't really ever plan on practicing. Yeah. Like, like I know I don't have the right or the access to this, so I don't really plan on practicing, but it would be nice to at least have a kind of an understanding of what these things are so that as I maybe encountered uh, or kind of came up against kind of the line of those practices in my own experiences, that I, I knew how to properly recognize them and to be you know, completely respectful, yeah. right? You know, And so we can do that, right? We can learn something, you know? It's like, I, how many people go to school, right? You go to school in, in, in junior high, high school, and you learn shit like calculus, right? Or like advanced, like, you know, mathematics, right? And then you graduate high school and you go on to college and you go on to your career. How often are you actually using calculus? Right. Right. You learned something because there was a, a reason or a purpose for the learning, though it may not actually ever be anything that you really put into use. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, so what's your, what's your, or do you have anything to maybe share on, on just the idea? What do, you, what do you see? What value do you see in, in learning or taking in information just for the sake of information? Well, one, <clears throat> if we stop learning, we die. Do we? We die. What about brain dead people? Are they really dead? Are they really dead? I feel like this is an uh, insensitive direction to go down because It is of, probably an insensitive and, direction to go and down. And just, you know died in the last week or so and that was kind of sad although i have to admit i never really cared for her much as a person anyway go on so basically i forgot where i was going with that if we we need to continue to learn um in all spiritual practices because there's always those mysteries um witchcraft is a mystery tradition um Wicca is a mystery tradition. Paganism, certain tra- most traditions of paganism are going to be mystery traditions. ATRs are mystery traditions. There are, um, and when I say mystery, I don't mean, ooh, things are scary and spooky. When I say mysteries, I mean you only learn it by actually experiencing it. You only learn it by actually enveloping yourself in that culture. And so in order for us to fully understand the spectrum, the validity of those practices, we need to learn about them. Okay. You know, um, also in a witchcraft sense, in a witchcraft sense, if you are a, if you're a individual who practices Celtic or Scottish folklore craft, Mm -hmm. um, and someone who is, of Cornish witchcraft has decided to cross you or send a nasty at you, you might need to study and learn a little bit about that other practice to effectively remove that, remove the nasty. Okay. You know, uh, sometimes you need to learn about it so that you can not just protect yourself, but also better yourself. And on top of that, learning's power. The more you learn, the more you grow. Yes. The more you know. Okay. I hope that made sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, you're you're yeah you're you're doing good. Cause. Yeah. That 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 is one of the biggest reasons why. On top of that, it's respectful. You know, if you have friends, 
com uh, friends, comrades, um, comrade. Um, <laughs> if you have friends or connections who are members of those different traditions, it's respectful for you to learn some of those things so that way you can address them appropriately or understand what they're talking about. Well, well I mean, yeah, yes, absolutely. So I also want to want to kind of see if you know if you. You and I, we do a lot of teaching. Yes. Right? And we have... I'm, I'm bringing this up because I had this interaction with a student just the other night. Okay. I taught uh, one of my other witchy herb classes. Mm -hmm. And I had a student in that class uh, who came in with her friend. And it was clear. Crystal. No one in the room missed this. It was crystal clear within 10 minutes of my opening lecture for the class, my mm -hmm. opening instruction for the class, it was crystal clear that these two women had come in and had no clue what the hell we were talking about. Yeah. From a, an herbal perspective, from a witchcraft perspective, they were completely lost. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time in that class trying to explain things and go back and re-explain things in a way that made it clear like, okay, this is what this is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, and, and I'm going there because we have a lot of people as teachers. We I think we have a lot of people that come up, they approach us, they're like, oh, I want to learn this. I want you to teach me this. What about this? You can do a class on this. Right, you know, I want to learn this. And you know, and one of the things that I very often will do in that situation is, okay, well, and and, and as someone who, you know, is studied and learned on these things, right? Learned, learned on these things, experienced. Um, one of the things that I often do when someone approaches me and says, well, I want to learn this because of my understanding of how that, whatever the thing is that they want to learn works. I'll also have an understanding of, okay, well, if you want to do this, you probably need to learn this other thing first. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'll have that conversation with them. I'll be like, okay, well, you want to learn how to do yes. this. Um, but before you do this, you probably need to make sure that you're somewhat proficient with this because this thing that you want is really kind of like the logical progression yeah. of this other thing, right? You know, and of course they don't want to do that, right? No one wants to go up the stairs one by one. They want to somehow magically appear at the top of the landing, yes. right? So anyway, so but in, in getting back to what we're talking about, which is information and taking that in to help cultivate good judgment, right? Um, I think it's important to to do that, to kind of look at the, okay, this is ultimately kind of what I want to do, what I want to learn, right? And this is something I want to do to kind of make sure that I make the best choices in the process of this. Mm -hmm. But before I worry about step 10, I probably need to take step one, two, and three, right? Yes. And, you know, and, and then, and to be patient enough and to be dedicated enough to do that and to learn those things first. Yes. Um, because if you don't do that, chances are you're going to screw up royally somewhere down the line. And it's not, there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Sometimes really fucking it up is the best way to learn. Um, but you're going to have to go back and do steps one, two, and three mm -hmm. at some time. And it would be nice to do them at the beginning rather than after you've failed miserably at step 10. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so I think again, this, this is something that I, I see being a part of a process of the learning and the taking in of information mm -hmm. that cultivates that well, good judgment. Using witchcraft as an example. Do we have to use witchcraft as an example? We talk about witchcraft so much on this podcast. Ugh. The podcast's name is literally Salty Witches. Go on. Um, everyone wants to learn baneful magic, binds, hexes, curses, protection, 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 money, 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 money. Everyone wants to learn those things, but the minute someone's like, oh, well, I want to learn how to do this, or anything like that, it's like, I, I'm getting this book of spells. 
Okay, do you know how to ground? Well, no, no, what's that? Okay, do you know how to raise energy? What's that? Okay, do you know how to center? No, do you know the days of the week? Well, no, do you know your colors? What? Well, what do you mean? Once you actually start to do that, they want to just be able to buy the Book of a Thousand and One Spells mm -hmm. by Eason and just do the spell and have it be done. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who are naturally talented enough that they can do that, and it's like, oh, cool, awesome. And that'll be their little leeway down the path. Mm -hmm. But then there are other people who are just floundering. And the minute you try and tell them, like, you have to learn the basics first... You need to know how energy works. You need to know how your body works. You need to know how to move energy from one place to another and to keep yours aligned and not overwhelmed. Their response is, okay, so protection. It's like, that's not what that is. And they don't want to hear that mm -hmm. because of platforms that we've already discussed push it so much. Yeah. If you're always so protected and guarded to the teeth, how are you ever going to connect with anything? How are you ever going to feel that? These individuals want you to start where they started so that you can make them the same mistakes they did. And as teachers, that's not what we want. We don't want you to make the same mistakes we did. We made those mistakes so that we can hopefully train you and guide you better to yes. not make those mistakes. Exactly. We've walked the crooked path already. Like, follow that path and you should be all right. Yes, if we, if we can save you a little bit of trouble because yes. we had to go through that trouble, that's 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 a good teacher right there. All right. All right, so we're going to move on Perfect. to the next bullet on Ashley's list. So, cultural appropriation. Oof. We, we talk about this a lot. I bet I bet some of our listeners are like, oh, God, here we go, because we do. We talk about this one a lot. But um, anyway, the question, though, is how to determine that what you're learning is something maybe that has been an appropriated practice. Um, and really, I think, to be honest, the only, the only way that you're really going to be able to learn that is to be diligent about seeking out someone who actually rightfully has roots within that practice mm -hmm. it could be traditional it could be cultural it could be you know there, there are lots of different uh, practices that we see right being appropriated from lots of different peoples mm -hmm. right um and so, but I really, I think that's, to be honest, probably the only way you're really going to be able to do that. Most definitely. Because only someone who is a part of that practice is really going to have accurate knowledge, right? And also have the authority to be a voice, mm -hmm. right? Because I see this happening. And I guess the reason I'm going here first with, the, in, with an answer to this is that we see this argument pop up all the time, okay? And... And I'm just going to use an example that we've used a lot before, okay? Because it's an easy one that everybody gets, right? Okay, but White Sage. And I'm not going to go into all the bullshit that we've already discussed on White Sage, okay? But when that debate first came up within the spiritual community, right? Where you had all of these indigenous people from the west coast of the U.S., right? All these, all these First Nations people that were like, would you please stop over-harvesting all the White Sage? For one thing, 
there's not enough for us to use for our shit, right? Because you've used it all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, for another thing, you're not even using it properly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do the shit that you think it does. Okay. Um, and it was illegal for them to use it up until the seventies. Exactly, and people don't bother to do the research on that. They don't do the research into the the the, the reasons why the First Nations people within that area of the U.S. have become so territorial about that, right? They're just like, well, it grows from nature. It was given to me by nature, so I can use it. It's like, fuck you with that white colonialist or colonialist mindset. Yep. Okay, um, you know what else grows from nature? Uh, aconite. Burn that and breathe the smoke in real deep, bitch. Yeah, I mean, it would, anyway. It would <coughs> cut down a lot of things. That's okay. No, please don't do that. Please don't don't, don't inhale aconite smoke. Um, anyway, so back to my point. Um, okay, but, the, but what happened around that situation when that debate first started, you had all of these indigenous people that were like, could you please just stop and be respectful of this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and you know, and absolutely, we should, you know, those are the voices we need to be listening to, right? But what happened then is you had all of these social justice warriors and these white saviors who then jumped on the bandwagon of that, right? And were like, oh, yes, white siege is bad. Don't use white siege. Right? And, you know, and in the process of doing that, one, they completely shut out the original voices, the First Nations people who were the ones that were, like, beginning that discussion, right? Yep. They made that debate all about their social justice work, yep. right? Their shallow, empty bullshit social justice work, right? And their white saviorism. And their need to basically, like, mine or farm uh, rage. They call it rage farming on the internet, right? Uh, on social media. Um, you know, And they made it about themselves. They made it about the, look at how wonderful and powerful and important I am. I'm a white person. I'm a, I'm a white ally. And I'm protecting these traditions, right? You know, and, you know, and that's okay. You know what? Hey, whatever, right? If that's the least you can do to be a quote unquote ally, then okay, great. You know, you still fucked it up royally, but at least you're, at least you're moving in the right direction, right? Um, but but that that becomes an issue at that point because you have that all of these voices that are involved in this argument who have appointed themselves the police around that particular issue right and if you're not a first nations if you are not a a, a an indigenous person from the western coast of turtle island right north america if you're you know if you're not an indigenous person or a first nations person shut the fuck up you don't have a voice in that argument. And you can police that and you can make suggestions and you can remind people, oh, remember, we probably don't want to use white sage. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But, ugh, you know, so anyway. And so that, that's just one of the things that I see. I see the same thing happening with people like like white saviors with the issue around hoodoo and voodoo, mm-hmm. right? Or like, well, I want to practice hoodoo. I want to be a, you know, I want to practice ATRs. And it's like, okay, well, calm down, little blue-eyed, blonde, white, Scandinavian Becky from the Midwest, you probably don't have access to these things. It's not that you couldn't, but you're going to have to work a hell of a lot harder mm-hmm. to really gain the right kind of access, right? But then you've got all of these people of color that are saying, you don't just get to step into this. You don't just get to have this. And then on top of those voices, you now have, once again, all of these white savior social justice people that are like, oh, yeah, you need to listen to the people of color. You can't do this because you're white, right? And in the process of all of that noise you end up alienating everybody in those situations and in those communities. Mm-hmm. And you have so much confusion now over what is or isn't closed, what is or isn't appropriated, yep. right? So anyway, I'll quit, quit rambling on about that. Well, no, that, that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's, a really, that's a really good point because you have loud voices that are being 
that, that are so loud that it just creates spiritual and it just creates cacophony. Yeah. And then you have people who are like, well, no, actually, if you go through the proper veins or like your family called it this, then you can. And then people just calm down on you. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Well, first off, you don't know me. You don't know my history. Well, that's always the response when somebody like criticizes us now online. Where I was like, well, you don't know who I am. You don't know my life. And it's like, well, no. Why even respond? No, when it yeah. no when it comes down to it, and they're trying to tell you, well, no, you can't because I say so. All I have to say is, well, no. You you don't actually know the history that. Just using me for example, you don't know the history that I have with that tradition. Yeah. You, and, and I'm not talking spiritual lineage. I'm talking actual verifiable blood lineage in this lifetime where there, there's work that I've put in. Mm-hmm. I have learned. It is familial. It is heritage. And I've, I've been to those cultural things. And I understand it. And I get it. And I grasp it. I will never be able to 100% grasp and get it as a person of color would. You know, I've never experienced that type of hatred. But I have experienced bigotry and marginalizedness. Well, we can't we can't compare. We cannot compare. We can't exactly. compare people's traumas around issues of, of bigotry and marginalization. Exactly. That, that's they're all going to be very personal and very 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 personal. Okay, but but that okay. So that 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 brings me to a point, and I want to ask you this. Which, mm-hmm. which okay, so you talk about the loud voices. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think there is kind of a new discussion happen. Well, I shouldn't say it's a new discussion. It's a discussion I think that's been happening for a while in communities of color. Okay, and we're focusing specifically on the spiritual components of these communities of color, right? We're not getting into the politics, we're not mm-hmm. getting into race, we're not getting into that shit right now, right? Beyond just the context of what it has to do with the spiritual practices we're talking about. Yeah. Closed for traditions and appropriated things, right? Um, okay, so, but there's been this discussion, I think, in a lot of those communities for a while now around the loud voices. And by the loud voices, I mean white people who through the privilege of their whiteness, through the privilege of their social standing, through the privilege of their their wealth, who knows, right? But typically white people who have these privileges and as a result, they have a following. They have a lot of people who pay attention to what they have to say, mm-hmm. right? And so this debate or, the, or not debate, this discussion that's been happening in these communities of color, I think has now finally started to touch the community of white people. Right, where you've got once again, you've got people of color who are saying, We want your loud voice in this particular instance mm-hmm. because we've been trying to talk about this for a while now. We've been trying to say, You're stealing this from us, or you've stolen this from us, or this is something you you show you don't have access to, right? And people are not hearing those voices. You know, but then they've got, you know, like a you know, a white woman who's a really big voice on social media, you know, who decides, okay, I'm also going to get involved in this and I'm going to say, no, I'm going to support these communities of color and say, no, you can't do this. And then you've got communities of color that are saying, yes, we want your loud voice on this because Mm -hmm. these people who don't listen to us will listen to you. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's wonderful Mm -hmm. as long as that is at the request of those communities of color. Agreed. That is not up for you as an outsider to decide. To decide, oh, I'm the one to advocate for this. You don't get to do that. You don't get to choose that. You might think you're doing the good thing, but 
unless that community of color has made it clear, yes, we would actually like to hear your voice on this as well, you probably need to step back. Yes. Or if you feel the need to throw yourself into that situation, amplify the voices of color. Don't put your own spin. Don't put your own voice out there. Do what you can to make sure that you create a platform for those people who are involved in those other communities to get their voices heard. Mm -hmm. Because hearing it from the source, hearing it from the first voice is always going to be best. Yeah. Right? And so and so I think that's something that we see happening now. Right? And so focusing this back on issues of cultural appropriation. So what what do you feel about that austin what do you feel about this situation now where we it seems like when this issue this conversation around what is or isn't appropriated the majority of the voices in that argument in that discussion always seem to be people who are actually on the outside of those practices or those traditions are you with me in in saying like most of those people probably need to just shut the hell up and let the people who are a part of those traditions really be the ones to police them yes I, I'm with you on that, and we need to we we need to elevate those voices. Mm. Um, you know, so we need to back them when at all possible. Um, you know, if if example for years, I called myself a hoodoo practitioner. It has been requested by um, people of color that I do not call myself a hoodoo practitioner. Okay, cool, not a big deal. No skin off my chest. I don't think that's how that saying goes. No, no, no skin off my chin, no skin off my head. Skin off my nose. Skin off my nose, no skin off my, whatever. <clears throat> Why are we skinning you? I don't know. Um, you know, whatever. I know my practice and I know that, so I can call myself a conjure worker. I can call myself a root doctor. I can call myself a root worker, and that's okay. Concept still gets through. Um, <clears throat> so I will I will try and always elevate that um, to the best of my ability, utilizing my white privilege. Um, but... We also have to understand that there are individuals out there who are trying to elevate those voices, but they're doing it in such an aggressive manner that all it's doing is making those 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 people of color's voices sound more sound more aggressive and sound more critical than it actually is. When uh, when it's you probably shouldn't call yourself that. Here's the reasons why. This is what we're requesting. Turns into how fucking dare you? You're well, such have, a horrible human to, being. They have to shout. They have to shout and get angry to do it, I think, to still be heard. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the white people. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about the white people who are thinking that they are elevating the people of color's voices by... But if it's their voice, they're not. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. So, so yes, I'm with you in agreeing with that. Okay. All right. Okay. What? Nothing. You're good. I just, I feel like I, I lost the thread of our conversation there for just a moment while you, were, Probably. While, you were, while you were relating that. No, no, you're good. Um, okay. So anyway, so back to, back to answering Ashley's question. Okay. So I really, I think to be honest, I think that the, the answer to, to the issue of cultural appropriation and determining if what we're, we're doing, we're learning incorporating into our practice is, has is something that is appropriated. Again, it really is going to come down to knowledge. Mm -hmm. We need to be learning you you know if there is anything that you read anything that you take in any piece of information that you take in and you decide you want to now make that thing a component of your spiritual practice you must research the origins of that practice you must research the origins of that 
or that thing, whatever yes. it may be. Even, and, and I realize that can seem daunting because a lot of these things are, you know, a lot of this stuff is information that comes from places where it's like, oh my God, there's no, there are, there are no, there are no clear roots for this. There's no origin. There's no book written on this. There's no Patheos article I can reference, mm-hmm. you know. You know, and so there's there's nothing really there, right? You know, and so I know I know how scary that can seem, right? But but if you if you do a little bit of research, you will find something. You should find something, right? That will at least give you at least one piece to validate, or something that will help you to see, like, oh, okay, this is kind of what this is, right? <clears throat> I see this happening in again. I'm going to throw out another example. I'm using examples to kind of make these points more clear. Not try, I'm not trying to pick fights with people in these communities, okay, mm-hmm. or in these particular traditions, okay. But I see this in the fairy tradition, fairy witchcraft, okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, I, I have a huge problem with the fairy tradition. I've talked about it on the podcast before because it seems to me like at least a good fifty percent of everything in that tradition has been taken from something else. It's like, it's just cobbled together. It's Wicca. It's eclecticism. It's New Age. But then there's a whole bunch of, of indigenous shit in there, too. What do they call it? The Chala? The Chala, right. Yeah. The Chala, right? Which we know originated in the practices of the Pacific Islanders. Mm. Right? And for a long time, in fairy books, Cora and Victor Anderson, right? All, you know, the early generations of fairy, there was no mention of that. Right? There was no reference. Like, oh, we took this from the Pacific Islanders. Or this is something that you would see would be a common in an indigenous Pacific Islander practice. Mm-hmm. Right? This is spirituality from these people. Right? You didn't see that anywhere in there. And it wasn't until people started to research and connect the dots. You know, it actually took a white person going to God knows where in the Pacific Islands and maybe being invited into a spiritual ritual. Right? And they did that thing. And then that person was like, oh, well, I'm a fairy practitioner. And we do this, too. Right. And, and then the, the dots, you know, the lines, you know, all start to connect. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so, you know, in using that as an example, you know, I, I think that um, in studying fairy Wicca or, or witchcraft, excuse me, um, and you come across something like the Hala ritual. Right. Mm-hmm. Research the shit out of that. Yeah. Where does this come from? Who did it first? Right. And even if it was something maybe that was created by someone, because that happens a lot, right, in mm-hmm. traditions. I mean, I would say probably a good percentage of the shit that they did early on in Wicca was all shit that came out that Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valiente pulled out of their asses, mm-hmm. right? Well, originally Gerald Gardner and then Doreen Valiente, because he initiated her, but yes. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to say right now, and as a Wiccan, I realize my opinion means nothing, but Gerald Gardner was trash. As far as I'm concerned, Doreen Valiente basically was the foundation of Wicca. She's the one who brought forward a lot of the liturgy, yes. Yeah. Um, I say it. Anyway, um, so, but, but, you know, and so it's not that sometimes th- these things don't uh, originate with someone like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, this person who started the tradition kind of made this up, right? You know, through their own UPG, this is where we get this, right? But at least then you know, right? At least yeah. then you know, like, oh, this started with this person, right? You know, it doesn't really have roots that connect it to prior things, right? You know, but, and like I said, at least then you know. Right. So, so I think we need to, again, we need to, we need to research. We need to once again, expand our, our, our pool of knowledge and, and where we're getting our information from in these things, you know, and if you're finding it difficult to find sources for some of the things that you, once again, that you're including or choosing to include in your personal spiritual practice, if you can't find that, then you need to seek out 
other trusted voices. You mm-hmm. need to, to approach people in the community that you know are of like mind, people that you know are also extremely knowledgeable, who will value those lines between what is open and closed, right? And hopefully those people maybe will be able to connect those pieces for you, right? That's that's the benefit of community, mm-hmm. right? As we've got other people to go to and refer to, if it's good community, I should say maybe, because ooh, it's not always good community. <clears throat> Can you think of anything else that would really kind of help with cultural appropriation or issues of cultural appropriation and recognizing that? Uh, Being aware of the most obvious things, you know, if I've seen this argument, I have seen the argument that no, 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 I can utilize again, going back to White Sage, I can use this because the ancient Nords used it. Really? The ancient Nords used it in places where it's frigid and cold and white sage is a desert. It, it, it is a desert plant. It requires that kind of climate to grow. Yes. Like, that's that's very much like, that should be a huge, hmm, yes. methinks there might be a little bit of cultural appropriation so here. When you, so when you say the, the knowing and learning, like, the, just the basic things, like, you're not even necessarily talking about a spiritual practice in that situation. Yeah, I'm talking about your you're, basic, you're like, freaking like, history. Just doing the research and finding out where does this yeah. particular strain of sage, where was it originally grown? Mm-hmm. Well, did, and then again, again, <clears throat> critical thinking skills. If you're using the fairy tradition, if you're looking at the colorite and you're like, wait... So Victor and Cora Anderson were English. They were they were American. They were Western. So where did this word "kala" come from? And then you could do a quick Google search. You know, it's things like that. Um, we see it a lot in folk magic practice, where you also have to be aware uh, when you're looking at folk magic practices. That is the magic of the people, and so. When someone's claiming, no, 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 you can't do an egg cleanse, and then it's getting to the point where it's like, well, no, you can't crack it into the water and read it either. That's also a part of a closed practice. That's brujeria. And it's like, no. I mean, yes, it is part of brujeria, but it is not It is not just there. Um, obviously, most cultures would have some sort of egg-laying thing. You know, most cultures will have chickens mediterranean cultures have chickens where they would lay eggs like that's what it was okay, I'm, gonna, farm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kind of really get back a little bit okay anyway because you're totally on a tangent here well i'm not on a tangent because like if you logically know folk magic eggs eggs are used in pretty much every form of folk magic there is okay. but are they always used the same way they're not used the same way but eggs are used there so saying no you can't use eggs in your practice because it's specific to this one type of practice okay. so sorry yeah. no it's not use your critical thinking skills mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to folk magic yeah 
You know, and I'm I am very much of the opinion there are people who are trying to say that tarot is closed still. I'm like, okay, then why are there God, so many why are there so many tarot decks out there? Why do we have so many different tarot decks if it's closed? Why do we have so many different books on how to read tarot? Why do we have so many different systems on how to read tarot? If tarot was a closed practice, it would not be that readily available. So here's the thing. And the person I... who here's the thing a closed practice no longer become is no longer closed once a person who is in that practice has gone through those forms of initiation and stuff like that decides to then write a book on the entire practice at that point it's no longer it's it it is now open people are seeing into it but that doesn't mean you should practice I was, it i was gonna say that doesn't give people outside that practice that doesn't give people outside the practice the right, the right to, to, to practice okay. it but it is no longer secret Okay, well, I mean, I may, but maybe that's a good clarifier because we're talking about closed. The difference between closed and just not known. Yeah. That's a, that's a different thing. Right? Yes. Because we're talking about the practice. Yes, thank you for correcting me. All right. I can't believe the terror thing is still going on. Of course Ew. it is. Ew. Ew. Thank you for correcting you. <sighs> yeah. No, thank you. Um, I'm not being sassy. So I wasn't, I don't normally share this, but I remember, uh, okay, my grandmother was a, and this woman is, long dead right but my grandmother was one of these tarot is a closed practice people okay and i don't talk about this much because one i don't really like talking about my grandmother um but also because i i disagreed with her okay but let me clarify her position on that okay my grandmother talked about tarot being a closed practice in the sense that she believed and the culture of the family that unless you are how to word this that everybody who buys a deck of cards and learns to read the tarot should not necessarily then decide oh i'm gonna go into business correct right so her position was like anybody can learn mm -hmm. and anybody can read the tarot but just because you bought a deck of cards and you memorize the meanings, that doesn't now make you a tarot reader. Mm -hmm. That makes you someone who owns a deck of tarot cards and memorize the meanings. Yep. Right? And so her position on that was that it was close to people who were not willing to make the commitment to do it, I guess, on a professional level. You know, and I'm not saying I agree with her position on that, mm -hmm. right? But that was kind of the idea. The kind of the idea was like basically, unless you're dedicating your life and you've actually incorporated this into a spiritual practice of some sort, it's not just a gimmick or something that you do for entertainment for your buddies, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, or because you think it's cool and edgy to read tarot cards, right? Then she heard, so that was kind of her take was like, okay, so, so that's when she would say, like, well, these people shouldn't be reading tarot cards. Mm -hmm. Right, and it had nothing to do with ethnicity. It had nothing to do with race. It mm -hmm. had nothing to do with any of that shit. It was basically like she would look at people who would be like, "I read tarot cards for my girlfriends when we have sleepovers," and it's like, "You shouldn't read tarot cards." No, I, I I'm very much. <laughs> I, I can see where your grandma grandmother is like that, because I feel the same way about pretty much every magical and spiritual practice out there. Yeah, I'm very much of that. I can't tell you how many times I look at big names. Who are like, oh, well, I got my start in Wicca, but then I branched off and started my own tradition. I'm like, so so you couldn't make it in Wicca, is mm. what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that traditional Wicca was too hard, yeah. and that you got bored, and you weren't <clears throat> going as quickly or as fast as you wanted. And so you took those secrets that you are now oath-bound with, ran off, created your own tradition that still incorporates the secrets. 
That's what I hear. Yeah. And I know that that makes me sound like an elitist. I know that makes me sound like a purist or whatever the fuck it is. But I, I, I'm very much of that same position. Unless you are actually going to take it seriously, mm-hmm. yeah, it's close to you. Yeah. Which is why when I have people who are like, oh, yeah, no, I like do manifestation affirmations and I write my, I carve my intentions. Yeah, if you're too much on of a, a wuss candle, to use the word spell, that you have to use the word manifestation instead of saying spell. Give it up. You know, then I'm like, okay, you need to not be doing this at all. Yeah. And you just need to run off and do your vision board. I was just kind of in my brain, and I would never say this to someone because the last thing I want to do is give someone a bad day, but. I was kind of like in my brain kind of think you should just go back to church. Yeah. When I interact with those people because that's in essence that's really what they're looking for. Yeah. They've just they've decided I'm not going to call it God anymore. I'm going to call it a vision board. Well, I'm no, not going to call it prayer anymore. I'm going to call it manifestation. It it, 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 it gives me the same vibes of someone who's like, Sorry. "Oh yeah, no, I did the tr- I I did Wicca and it was just too structured for me." So what I'm hearing is you couldn't adhere to a particular tradition. It's that year and a day, man. That's a lot of time. It's not. No one's got time for that. And on top of that, sometimes it doesn't even adhere. Um, but I digress. Um, I hear that, and I have those people who refuse to use the actual terminology of spell or anything like that, and I'm like, it's not even go back to church because I'm like, you couldn't even cut it there. You, you you couldn't, with someone telling you exactly how to do the things that you need to do, you couldn't cut it there. Yeah. So what makes you think you're going to cut it as witchcraft? Well, witchcraft is all about intention and flow and just following your intuition. I had this, I had this conversation with someone in the shop the other day. They came in and they were staring at the books and you could just tell they had no idea what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. No idea, just... And so I finally just kind of walked up and was like, is there a book you're looking for? Or do you need a suggestion? Can I help you? And their response was, oh, I'm just going with whatever my intuition tells me to do. And without being able to catch myself, I said, okay, well, if you always follow what your intuition tells you to read, then you're probably just going to end up reading a lot of Harry Potter and a lot of fanfics. And I was like, oh, fuck. And they were like, ha, 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 ha. Well, I do a lot of tarot. And I'm like, okay, so you know that tarot and witchcraft aren't the same thing, right? Divination is a part of witchcraft, but you can divine without being a witch. Yeah. I've, I've had that conversation several times. And it's like these people are like, I'm like, you, you really don't want to commit. You don't actually want to do the work it takes to get to the level that you want to be at. Because it's hard. And reading the suggested book is hard because it might actually make you look at yourself and go, oh yeah, I'm probably not doing that the most effective way. And it's going to make you feel judged. It's going to make you feel criticized. Welcome to witchcraft. Yeah. So that's what I, that, that's what I see and that's what I hear and that's what I feel when that so, happens. Okay, so not to, um, not to pick another scab, um, but I think one of the issues getting back to talking about cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. and this is going to piss off a lot of people and I don't care. Um, No, I do care because I don't want to make people mad, but I think that this is always a good discussion to be having. 
one of the other issues that I can see, uh, or one of the other things I can see that it would be good to avoid if you are concerned about issues of cultural appropriation, I'm going to encourage you to avoid practices that are identified as eclectic. Yes. Because eclectic practice and eclectic practitioners are thieves, whether they mean to be or not. You cannot cobble together an eclectic practice without taking something that you shouldn't. Correct. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you people that as well. Avoid eclectic practices. Okay. That does not mean, does not mean that you can't mix and match a couple of things, right? But if you get involved in any kind of established practice or in the process of maybe creating your own practice, and I see this happening a lot with reconstructionists, right? Where they're like, well, I want to do this thing. I want to be this thing because I feel that my ancestors did this thing, but they were a part of a culture that was either one wiped out or two never actually bothered to write anything down. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to kind of just pull a whole bunch of shit together and slap a, you know, like a boom, this kind of a flare on it. Right. And, and boom, we got a tradition. We got to practice. Right. Well, mm -hmm. all those gaps, all those pieces had to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right? This is why you've got Norse pagans saying, oh, well, the Norse people, they, yeah, they used white sage too. It's like, no, they fucking didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, you stole that from other practices because you didn't have any record of what those people actually did. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, you know, and that's, you know, reconstructionism is fine. You know, reconstructionist practice is fine. You know, but it, it also does seem to be very eclectic mm -hmm. in nature. And that eclecticism, that eclectic approach is going to put you in a position to be an appropriator. What you need to do if you are claiming to be an eclectic practitioner if that's your jam and that's what you want to go with is you need to make sure that all the different practices that you work with line up somehow in some way because mm -hmm. then you are truly following a vein of gnosis a current of gnosis saying yeah this thing and this thing are similar enough and oh look here's a historical line there cool that's how a real eclectic practice should be not just oh well i work with hecate but also i work with segment but also i work with this deity but also i work with oh, this deity and i work God, with this deity yes. but also i work with this particular kind of magic uh, and also so i'm a folk I'm, I'm an italian folk <clears throat> practitioner um but also on top of being an italian folk practitioner i'm also a mormon and i'm still wearing my garments and i still go to temple and church every single sunday but we can't tell the bishop so uh, but i'm still a pagan yeah. i'm still a witch and it's like whoa 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 you are not any of those things. You're a mess and your practice will show it. Yeah. And if you, if you're a listener and you are feeling like, Oh, well, I feel like I'm being called out or something like that. Take a look at your practice. This is not a judgment pass. This is not shade being thrown. No. Look at your practice. And if your spells, your spirits, your venerative things, your practices, don't yield the results you desire or expect you need to really rethink some of those things and that's all i'm gonna say about that okay all right i hope that was good information i think so yes and we delivered it with our usual amount of sass um all right next next topic here next next things to discuss um trends that are bullshit and how to tell. Moldavite. 
Moabite's bullshit. It's fucking. It's it's fucking space glass. Well, no, no, no. Okay, space so, class. So, okay, so I, no, I don't want to get caught up in individual trends because, my God, we'll be here for hours because there are so many. True. And I notice they just tend to kind of cycle back through again yes. and again and again, right? Like that, we, That's how you can tell um, it's bullshit. If it continues to cycle through because the next new person mm-hmm. heard about it and so now that they're a big creator or they're a big voice mm-hmm. and then they start to talk about it to re-up it again, that's how you can tell it's bullshit. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times that mold fight bullshit has come across my page. And I'm like, really? We're still on this? And I follow the thread back. I'm like, ah, it's because this creator who's new and got really, like, big, or this person who was new and got really, really big actually saw it from this one video, and they decided to take that, reawaken it, but with their twist. And now all of the people that really like them are having the same experience going through it. It's egregores. It's it, it, it's an egregore yeah, thing. It is. Yeah, it is. I, so it's not about... The Egregore Moldavite will never die. Okay, so again, I want to say it's not about... Well, sooner or later, there won't be any Moldavite anymore, right? And then we'll we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so it's not about specific trends, okay? It's more about being able to decipher, like, you know, when we're, we're hearing about something, like, okay, is this a good thing? You know, and again, I, I really, I think a lot of the time, once again, it comes back down to just good old-fashioned research. Mm-hmm. Well, and how dramatic is it? Well, I, that again is going to come back to, I think, something we talked about earlier where we talked about just, like, critical thinking and common sense. Yeah. Right? Like, if you've got... Like, you threw Moldavite out there, right? Okay. This a tiny little piece of green glass that forms through a process of... Heat, combustion. Of minerals fusing when, an, when an asteroid or meteorite hits the Earth, right? The same thing that happens with lightning, right? Lightning hits raw ground, and if that right ground... Or that, that ground has the right compo- uh, components, mineral components in it, you're going to get glass. Yeah. Right, <clears throat> um, <coughs> so anyway, so critical thinking, right, and and common sense, right. If somebody tells you that this tiny little piece of green space glass is going to completely shift your life, right, you as a sensible, sane person need to say the fuck it is because there isn't a single thing out there that can completely shift my life that doesn't exist the only thing that exists in this world that can completely shift my life is is me me. you know and so and you need to be careful about that so you're right the level of drama behind those things i think is also very significant Mm -hmm. you need to pay attention to that the level of theater i i also want to say that um, and this is going to come back to the issue of research and digging into where these trends come from. It has been my experience, and I have been involved in the spiritual community for a very long time. And so I have seen more than what I would like to see in the realm of bullshit trends. Um, but it's been my experience that each time a trend pops up, that if you do a little bit of digging into where that trend originated, and sometimes, again, it can be difficult, mm-hmm. but if you're diligent, you'll find it. Um, but sooner or later, if you follow that back, you're going to find the originator of that trend is someone who is trying to make money. Yep. Trends exist because people are capitalistic by nature and and opportunistic by nature. Yep. And they will spin a bullshit story yep. about a crystal and then put that on the internet because they sell that crystal in their store. Yep. Or, you know, whatever it may be, right? So that's one of the other things that I really want to encourage people to do when you're looking at ways to identify trends that are bullshit. 
do dig dig into mm-hmm. where the trend originated because if someone at the beginning of that or you see a lot of people who are pushing that trend a lot of people are making money on that trend and you can see by their behavior that that really is the point the point is to make the money mm-hmm. you know that trend is bullshit another thing you can look into what's going on in media and the entertainment industry uh-huh. yes okay um prime example uh, i think it was last year last winter um when loki the 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 marvel the marvel series loki came out oh god yeah every one and their dog sister brother mother all of a sudden out of nowhere oh loki is calling i am getting so it's loki 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 are you sure you're just not fangirling over tom hiddleston are are, are you sure that's what's happening i don't see it what is the appeal there um he's like just some white bony english dude like i don't get it he's actually really really smart and actually really pretty well, nice you know, I, but um you know, I'm, not, I'm not seeing the guy's not, not a nice guy I, i'm just i'm kind of like but okay, anyway so go on take note of that because it happened with i mean in the 90s with charmed boom wicca got even bigger it just surged and surged and surged you know in the uh late 90s when the craft came out boom wicca more witchcraft um as we saw with um american horror story coven we saw more oh traditional witchcraft going back to those english salem roots and oh yeah i had an ancestor in salem um and then going from there into the chilling adventures of sabrina where now you have all these people who are oh maiden mother crone hecate da, 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 sorry hecate or hecate you know blah 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 blah, blah, blah. Uh. you know all of that and it's like okay if you take a step back and actually just look what's going on in the entertainment industry, the media, which is where we get a lot of our information, whether that's news, whether that's Netflix, Disney Plus, Spotify, whatever it is, you're going to see that. And it is up to you to then take a step back as the practitioner, as the consumer, and go, is this real? Or am I just allowing myself to get caught up in the trend and there's nothing wrong with saying yes i'm getting caught up in the trend yeah. it's okay i loved the craft the craft was one of my favorite movies still is i love charmed i loved that series i love the chilling adventures of sabrina i guess i'm not really a good example because i've been practicing witchcraft for so long but how often are things influenced by that? And that's how you can see if that trend is really a trend or if it's something that's real. Okay. Trends suck because they sensationalize and... Romanticize. Romanticize. And they set a lot of people who are not willing to be, again, critical thinkers and utilize some common sense and do a little bit of research. And they set people up to fail yes and that's one of the reasons why trends really piss me off beyond that i want to remind all of you who listen that particularly if you're practicing traditional witchcraft that it is not our in our nature as witches to follow trends correct 
you look at any witch, whether it be someone that we have record of historically, like a real life person, whether it be someone that pops up on these TV shows, these these pop culture things that, that Austin was just mentioning, the the witches, the traditional witches, they they bucked the system. They looked at what everyone else was doing and said, "Ew, gross, no, Conf- mm-hmm. conformity bad." Prime example: Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. She tried to have her cake and eat it too. She's trying to live a mortal human life and also have a witchcraft-oriented life. In the end, she split herself in two. Sorry, spoilers. Um, I'm not seeing how that connects to what I was just saying. Oh, it's it's connecting because um, she's going against she was going against the grain. She was not supposed to be with a mortal. Oh, gotcha. Okay. She oh, was okay. not supposed to be in the human world, mm-hmm. but she wanted both. And so she did everything she possibly good could to manipulate the system to be able to do it. Okay. All right. Well, so I, that's how. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I guess I, okay. I, I guess I can see the connection there. Okay. Anyway, but I want you to, if you're going to, if you're going to be diving into traditional witchcraft specifically, okay, I'm not talking Wicca. I'm not talking folk practice. I'm not talking other things like that. Okay. But traditional witchcraft. And I realize there are many many forms of traditional witchcraft. But if you're going to be diving into and want to identify as a tra- traditional witch, I want you to embrace that. I want you to uh, I want you to embrace your inner heretic. I want you to embrace your your inner nonconformist because there's power in that individual power. And if you're going to be the kickass which you want to be, you need to be in touch with that power. All right. Yeah. Yeah, listen to what I say. Mike's always right. Woo, Mike. No, I'm just kidding. All right, <clears throat> all right. So we're gonna we're gonna switch to the next thing. So I thought this was an interesting one. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, these have all been interesting, but this one is a little bit different, as you'll see in a moment. How to identify trickster spirits? And that's a very interesting question because when you hear that, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, they're tricksters. You probably can't. But that's not necessarily true, right? How do I identify trickster spirits? They just feel and hit different. Okay, now you're based this based this off of someone who maybe is encountering a spirit like this for the first time, and someone that is not feeling as experienced in their practice. Because it's very easy for someone who's been practicing for years and years and years and has dealt with a, a variety of different kinds of spirits to say, oh, well, this is what a trickster spirit is. How close to the historical representation of that spirit are they? You were yawn talking. Sorry. How close to the historical representation of that spirit are they? So if you have a spirit that's popping up and is like, hello, I'm Hecate, and I'm here to guide you and be your personal teacher and give you all the things you want. Um, Okay, cool. You need to take that name, Hecate, or take those signs or whatever, and you need to type that into Google, type that into everything else, find some books on Hecate, and go ahead and do some research. And guess what? Has Hecate ever just reached out to anyone? Is she going to be that like, well, hello, yes, I'm here to help you in all ways, shapes, and forms. You're going to find historically, nah. The true energy that comes with Hecate is like, I'm here for you when I'm here. Like, Well, and she's also definitely not like airy-fairy and fluffy like no, that. No, she's not. She's, she's a very fiery, grounded kind of yes. energy. And so that's the, that's the first way is when that spirit presents itself, do your research again. Do your research. Find historical there, historical connection there. And on top of that, 
how are your wards? If you're a big badass witch and you have wards all the way to the teeth and there's okay, a... Okay, again, but we're talking specifically people who are new. People who are new, okay. Okay, you need to maintain that focus. Uh, it's it very easy for us as, as people who have been doing this for a long time to slip into that. Well, I would do this. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, everybody doesn't have that level okay. of experience and knowledge. Ask the trickster spirit to do something that only that spirit would do or no. Okay. Without any prompts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So if a spirit pops up and um, it's claiming to be great grandma and you had a really close connection with great grandma, um, ask it to give you a give you a sign and be very specific. <clears throat> I want to hear no less than three times this week the song that my grandmother and I listened to when we were hanging out on the radio or I want that to pop up on shuffle on my Spotify playlist I, I want to hear it and I want it to be very adamant like I want it to be the first thing that plays on my Spotify playlist when I push shuffle and ask the spirit to do that if it doesn't happen probably not your great your, your great grandma okay alright and if it retaliates with well I can't do that because blah 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 so uh, then offer an alternative that's still going to be as strict. I think I think the discussion that I see popping up a lot when it, when trickster spirits is is uh, you know is the, is a, is a topic um, is the concept or the idea of trickster spirits stepping in and pretending to be deities. Ugh. You know, and so and I, I had this uh, question uh, a while back. I was doing the beginner witch class, mm-hmm. and someone in the class. You know, of course, when we did our Q and A, right? Someone in the class asked, you know, well, what about, you know, of course, what about trickster spirits, right? Because we, in that class, we do we talk about gods, we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, we talk about the, you know, divinity and and, and deity work, um, you know, not not as a necessary component of witchcraft, but you know, to make sure people have the info, right? Anyway, so, and that that question came up. Well, how do I know that I'm actually dealing with a god? Mm-hmm. You know, and I always relate the story that we have from coven work with Diana, where we had a working that we were doing and in the process of doing that working we we needed some or had asked for some form of validation mm-hmm. from the goddess right in response to what we had offered what what she had asked for you yeah. know the exchange right you know and i think that if you have a spirit pop up okay and i and only under these circumstances you do not want to go to a, a random god that you have pr- never worked with, that you have done made no effort to establish a relationship with, and start demanding that they work miracles for you or give you signs, because yeah. that god is, on a good day, going to laugh their ass off. On a bad day, they're going to fucking curse the shit out of you. Uh-huh. Um, but okay, but if a, it's a god that say maybe they approach you, right? It's mm-hmm. a spirit that that you feel like, oh, I feel like this this spirit is connecting, or I feel like, I feel like this god or this deity is reaching out to me, right? If they are expressing interest, if you firmly believe that they are expressing interest in you and connecting with you in some way and working with you in some way, you you are perfectly within your right to ask that spirit for a sign. And in doing so, ask for a sign that would be something pretty big. Yeah. Right? We asked in that ritual, the one I'm using as an example for this, okay, we asked for Diana to bring us rain, thunder, lightning, to to do these things when right we mm-hmm. asked for these things because these are things that were traditionally signs associated with diana saying okay sure yeah right that was her confirmation right so we asked for these things right and boy did we fucking get those things we asked for 
Yeah. Right? Real quick, too. Yeah. Ariana's you know? basement flooded. It was... Um, and, you know, and I ask, and I use that as an example, because trickster spirits do not have the kind of power needed to be able to conjure a full-blown wind, thunder, lightning, rainstorm. Yeah. No, they do not. They're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Can they make your lights flicker? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's easy. Can they, they make just... your candle pop? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you need to ask for big Ask for something big, you know, and then understand that that you may be dealing with a god that's like, well, I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to prove my power to you because mm-hmm. that happens too. It's true, right? Uh, but as Austin was saying a moment ago, do your research. Make sure that what that spirit is presenting is is really in line with what we know of that god or that deity. Okay, do not, ugh, do not go to psychics and depending on the kind of practice that they have, do not go to other people for deity or God confirmation readings. Oh my God, yeah. Please do not do that. I'm, I realize I'm off topic a bit now, but please do not do that. There are people out there who are making a lot of money claiming that they are doing readings to connect people with their personal gods or with particular deities and spirits. And I'm not saying that that can't work but the only person that is going to be able to tell you that you are actually connected to the goddess Athena is someone who also works with and has connected to Athena. The same would be true for any god. If you want to know if you have established a true connection with Thor and that god hasn't been brazen enough and in your face enough to confirm that for you, you need to go and find someone that you know, that you have heard, that you have learned, that you have researched, that you have read reviews and testimonials on their work. You need to find someone that works with and has a relationship with Thor. Yes. And a good rule of thumb, because most of the time, gods are parts of paganistic practices, right? Yep. Most of the time, if you're going to someone who's, oh, I've only worked with Hecate a couple of times, but yeah, I could see if she's if she's actually there. No. Mm-hmm. No. If you feel that a Hellenic deity is trying to reach out to you for some whatever reason, because apparently that's a thing that gods do now. They just fuck around reaching out and poking people while they're playing. Yeah, they, the got, they, got, they got nothing to do. Yeah, right? nothing better to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just pop in while you're eating your chips and they're like, yeah, give me the crumbs from your chips. <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, then you need to seek out someone who has devoted their work their in the entirety of their spiritual work and practice to Hellenic practices. That is the only way to do it. You're not mm-hmm. gonna go to the Gothi or self-proclaimed Gothi no. to get a confirmation reading on whether or not the Hellenic gods are calling you. And on top of that, if you have to ask, probably not. That, not to mention that that can be, I think, for a Insulting, lot of these. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, not for all of them, but for some of these deities, that that can be a slap in the face. If they have been making efforts to give you signs, if they've been doing what they can from their side to cultivate a relationship, and you, I would hope, were doing your thing mm-hmm. you know, for them as well, right? If you're dealing with your side of that situation. you know, And after you know some of that work, you're still needing to go to someone for that validation. Uh, oh my God. Like, I, I would... As a god in that situation, I would probably be like, oh, clearly I picked the wrong one. You're too thick to get it. Never mind. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and that's that's a response people get. I've, I've had those interactions with people where they're like, I wasn't ready and I screwed it up really. And they told me, 
you know, and too bad, right? Um, so yeah, so be, be mindful of those things. Uh, but yes, but getting back to, to the question, um, beyond asking, I think, for signs of validation that are, gonna, again, going to be beyond the scope of a trickster spirit's ability, uh, because remember, these are trickster spirits for a reason. Mm -hmm. They're very good at, at altering perception. They're very good at, I think, reading us in a way. Not that they can read our minds necessarily. There's this idea, I think, that trickster spirits have this ability to read our minds. And to be honest, I'm going to tell you right now, most of you who listen to the podcast, the majority of the spirits out there, they, they don't read your mind. They do not have the ability to read your mind, including deities. Most of those spirits do not have the ability to read Nor your mind. Nor do they care to. Exactly. Why the hell would they want to read your mind? There can't be anything that exciting going on in there, right? Um, <clears throat> so they don't read your mind. What they do is they, they've been around for a very long time, and they watch, and they study humanity, and they see our patterns of behavior. Even as individuals, they will watch some of them will have an awareness or have watched you over the last five years of your life and they've seen that every day the first thing that you get up and do in the morning is you know uh, i don't know slap you know a, a bunch of makeup on your face because maybe you 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 know that's your pattern right and there's nothing wrong with that right but from an external perception that spirit is then going to probably be able to reasonably deduce this is someone who is very concerned with how they look this is someone who has very clear ideas of aesthetic and glamour and mm -hmm. beauty, right? And again, nothing wrong with that, right? But they they already there have just a tiny little bit of a window into what you value, yep. right? If you are somebody who is entirely motivated by money and status and wealth, right? And they've watched you make decisions and do things in your life that are all about the money, the money, the money. When that trickster spirit pops up, it's going to be very easy for them to say, well, I'm the god Poseidon. And if you do this thing for me, I'll make sure that you get a raise at work, right? Because they know you, they've learned you. And they don't have to read your mind. That's the benefit of, of having the timelessness nature and the perspective, the altered or, or broader perspective of these beings is that they learn us very quickly. Because in the grand scheme of things, humanity is really, we're, we're, we're really, to be honest, pretty simple. Um, so, so don't be don't be worried about that. They're not mm -hmm. pulling that information from you, which is one of the reasons why it's perfectly fair for you to test them. Yeah, and a well, good idea for you to test them. Also, if you think it might be a trickster spirit, do a big heavy, big old heavy duty cleanse and clear. Mm. That's true. And if it <clears throat> leaves at that point, I'm sorry, but if Hecate's calling you, you can burn as much Palo Santo, as much mm -hmm. rosemary, as much juniper, as much. Freaking sage, frankincense, myrrh, copal, asafoetida, camphor. You can burn all of that. And if Hecate is there, she's going to be like, cool. Well, I'm still here, but all those other things aren't. Yeah. But if you do that, be, be communicative through that process. Like, make it very clear that as you're doing that, like, say something along the lines of, like, you know, like, I'm doing this to, uh, to banish any potential trickster spirits yep. from this space. You know, if this is if this is indeed a real deity or god, you know, like I, I mean no disrespect. Like do something like that. Um, you know, again, just because you want to make sure that you're again respectful, right? Good first impressions and all. Mm -hmm. um, have you? I know you've had those interactions with people. I love that conversation when that comes up, where people come in, and they're and the, you know and the arrogance and the ignorance in their practice, where they'll say some shit like that. They'll be like, well. 
you know, I was working and doing, I was doing a meditation and, you know, and I, all of a sudden I felt, um, oh God, I'm trying to think of a spirit. Like, a, I felt, um, well, I used her earlier. I felt Diana come into the room and, and I don't, I don't want to work with Diana. I don't feel any connection to that spirit at all. So I did this thing and I, and I banished her and I, and I, I love hearing that from people because I'm like, you teeny tiny little ant human being you banished a goddess nice try i'm pretty sure you didn't i'm pretty sure she probably got a hell of a laugh out of your arrogance and probably then decided that you weren't worth the time yep but you didn't banish shit you know and you're lucky she probably decided to leave you alone because you're dealing with a being that could seriously fuck up your life mm -hmm. if they wanted to you know, which is, I guess, a nice thing for us, right? Like, most of the time, our lives really aren't that meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have enough going on, usually, on, on the average. To warrant the attention. To warrant the attention of a god all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Which is another conversation I love to have with these people. They're like, well, she's always with me. My god is always with me. And I'm like, mm, probably not. At least not in the way you think. <laughs> Maybe in your heart. Exactly right. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Like, it's not, not in the way that you think, you know? Also, how weird would that be, right? Like, I don't want Hecate to, like, be with me when I'm on the potty. That's weird. That's a little strange. Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, Borboro Forba. No, even then. No. no, that's weird. All right. So, any other advice for how to uh, spot a trickster spirit? No, not really. I mean, if you really are that concerned, go to a reputable reader, but you don't really need to do that. What, what would you say to our listeners? Because it's it's been my experience that I think that because of, again, of the very online nature to the contemporary witchcraft movement. And I use that term online as a derogatory because I think I think off the internet we have very different interactions day to day and person to person than we do on the internet. Most definitely. Right? And so when I say an online witchcraft kind of phenomenon, I mean that most of what we see online has been so fucking staged and edited mm -hmm. and it's all so over dramatized like everybody's got to have their own fucking reality tv show now right right um anyway so but i i have that conversation or i i've um seen that uh, a few well almost all the time now online anyway but um this idea that like oh there are trickster spirits everywhere trickster spirits everywhere you know, and I, and I, it's not been my experience that, like, that's not the case. Like, I haven't really seen that to be true. I'm not saying they don't exist. Well, there are, there are spirits everywhere, but not all of them are tricksters. And just because something comes into the room and it has a different vibration or a different feel than you and it makes you slightly uncomfortable doesn't mean it's a trickster. Yeah. Like, th these are also the same people who are claiming to, to be big badass witches who, yes. who've done XYZ mm -hmm. and the slightest little thing that makes their... And makes their entire world go, huh? They freak the fuck out at. Yeah. You know, like, like, and and of course they can't just be fucking quiet about it. They have to. Well, they have to tell the whole world. They have to tell the whole world. Fuck up a whole bunch of other I, people's experiences I, too. Example. Yeah. I was in a Facebook group. No. I know. Trust me. Uh, I was in a Facebook group, and I can't tell you how many times a day, how many times a week. This one person was offering all these services, and then they'd post an egg cleansing they did for themselves because they just are they're they're an empath, and they're just things are so attracted to them, and they kept posting it, but not 
being able to read it, it was always like, read this for me, read this for me, read this for me. And I got banned from the group because I said, you know, every single time you post this, mm-hmm. you're you're giving the person who's hexed you, evil-eyed you, <clears throat> cursed you, mm-hmm. at, an idea of like, oh, they've removed that successfully. Good for them. I'm mm-hmm. just going to re-up it now. Yeah. You've now given them an eye into like this. Yeah. And they're going to work around it next time. Yeah. And like, why? You can work with 1,500 different deities, but you can't, you, you, you can't ground yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can do all these huge, amazing, wonderful things, yet you somehow still end up getting attacked by the little peons. The little peons? Yeah, the, the people who are claiming to be XYZ. Like, Why are we talking about trickster spirits here? What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, some of those trickster spirits are not little peons. Some of those trickster spirits Comparatively are... Comparatively to Hecate, they're peons. Well, I, I mean, the majority of them, yes, true, but, but they can they can, they can can have power. Yeah, they can have power, and they can pack a punch. Not and the to thing the level is, of a god. Guess but... what? You can work with a trickster spirit. So I mean, even well, if you I, identify I, I that it's a trickster spirit, do. well, even if you identify that it's a trickster spirit, instead of kicking it out, maybe go, okay, so I know you're a trickster spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's work together on something, though. Here's the contract. I okay, so I guess since you bring that up, I want to ask, like, would you really, would you recommend that though? Because these Not spirits, by their nature, are they're they're going to look for a way not to not to fuck you over. Right, because I'll be honest. Most of the time, even when you're dealing with a trickster spirit, very rarely are they truly malicious. Yeah. Right. They just kind of have their own concept of right and wrong, and you know, and like, like for them, it's all really just about the energy and the fun. Tricksters are right? always going to be teachers. And in yes, in some sense, you're absolutely right. always. They are yeah. always so, going to pull that trick to make you yeah. see your arrogance, yep. to make you see your ego, and to make you humble. Yep. Well, you, well, hopefully, as long as long as we learn, right? Because that's our work, mm-hmm. right? Those things. Um, but I, I, I would again. I would ask, like, like I, would you recommend actually doing that now that you've thrown that out? There? Not with the beginner, okay. But and maybe not for uh, benefic magics. But if you're going to do some baneful work, well, I could see that even for positive things. Oh like yeah, you could contract with a spirit like this. Say like, I, I, I say contract, and I, I always want to be careful about the use of that because I, I, in no way do I want particularly people people listening to think that I'm implying that trickster spirits are something comparable to say like goetic spirits right I, I mean there can certainly be overlap there I'm mm. sure but I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that what we would identify in a, in a modern context as a trickster spirit would necessarily be a goetic spirit or I'd agree with that right um, so but but as you said you can make an arrangement or you could have a contract of some sort mm-hmm. with a, a trickster an spirit. agreement say you were uh uh, you're up for a job, right? Mm-hmm. You're and you you've done the interview, right? And you're and you you know everything looks real good, right? And you're feeling you know just a little bit of still nervousness around getting that position, right? And you contract with this spirit and you say, okay, hey, I'll do X, Y, and Z for you, but what I need you to do for me is I need you to go and I need you to actually do something to the person who's going to make this decision on who they hire. Do something to this person, one ideally that one won't harm them. Right, um, but also will help them to see that I'm the best choice. Mm-hmm. Right, that I'm the one that they need to choose. Right, do something that alters their perception of their choices so that 
I'm the one they want. I get the job. Right? You can work with a trickster spell yeah. like that, right? But you need to be ooh, absolutely make sure that Way wrench when you make is ironclad exactly. because if they can throw some sort of wrench into that or twist the the result of that in some way, they absolutely will because mm -hmm. that's their nature. Yep. Okay. Instead of working with a trickster spirit, how about just work with your ancestors or something? Yeah, work with spirits that you know are going to work want with the spirits to that are closest you, to you. Right? Yeah, like I don't, I don't understand. Although I will say, I don't think anybody is, is actively looking to work with trickster spirits. I don't know. Well, I won't say anybody, but I, I think the majority of people out there probably wouldn't be. So, all right, next question or next topic. Okay, so anxiety versus intuition and how to tell the difference. And I want to, I want to start this one because i i want to say because this is this is a conversation i have with a lot of my students okay when you because this question comes up a lot okay because it can be very hard to tell and if you are someone who by nature tends to be an anxious overthinker mm -hmm. you know you are of course you're going to be bringing that into your spiritual practice because that's who you are Right, um, and I think we live in a world now that has most of us feeling a higher level of anxiety and over mm -hmm. and doing some overthinking right but one of the things that I tell these people is that if the majority all the time, if the majority of your spiritual experience is completely shaped and structured by your own processes of reasoning and analysis, that's anxiety. Mm -hmm. If your the majority of your spiritual experience is triggering you based off of past traumas, not that that doesn't happen legitimately in spiritual practice, it does, but it should be different, right? Um, it, triggering traumas in a way that you then feel like, okay, now I have to completely pick this apart and analyze this. Like it triggers those components of your being, right? Through trauma, that's anxiety, right? That's a survivor response, right? That's what that is, which is going to be a component of anxiety or, or anxiety will be a symptom of that. Um, if the information that you're getting the feedback and the experience that you're getting in your spiritual practice is purely removed of your physical body like it is entirely an ungrounded etheric slash mental kind of a thing that is most likely anxiety popping up for you um, because if you're having i would say a legitimate spiritual experience you're going to feel that somewhere in your physical body as well your, your body has its own language. Our first language is found in the physical body. Um, our first means of understanding is found in the physical body. And we need to listen to that. That is one of the reasons why people struggle so much now with things like meditation and grounding and centering is because we have overly prioritized the logic and the analysis and the perceptions of the mental self. And we have completely shut down the physical body and the language that comes from that body. So those are things to pay attention to. Um, oh, I would also add that this is another good situation for you to be getting external validation. You need to talk to other people and find out, you know, like when you do this, what kind of a response do you get? When you do this meditation, what are your results? When you took this class with this teacher, what was your experience, right? You, 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 you need to, to do that. You're going to need to do that, particularly if you are an anxious person because you will doubt all of your experiences and you will explain any tiny little bit of meaning that that experience might have had, you will explain that away completely with your own rationalizing. 
Anyway, Austin, do you have anything to add? No, that, I, I agree with that. Sorry, I didn't mean to completely take that over there. No, it's okay. You um, explained it better than I could. Um, I'll, I'll add this little caveat. If your intuition is always doom and gloom, mm-hmm. that's anxiety. That's not intuition. Yeah. You know? Would you say it's like intuition can't... Intuition... Intuition cannot be rooted in fear. Intuition cannot and should not be rooted in fear. Because if you're trying to harness your intuitive abilities, and the first thing that you do is, I can't be... It happens every day. I can't be around a lot of people because I just feel like crap afterwards. Okay, that's called social anxiety. No, 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 no. It's because I pick up all of their... I pick up all their emotions. Okay, do you pick up the good, though? Well, no, I always just feel like crap. Okay, so then you're... you're, you're, It's called social anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're probably somewhat of an emotional vampire. Yeah. Well, no, because I... No, no, no. No, yeah, you need to check yourself. Because if you're picking up things, things and you're absorbing things in that kind of a way, you're going to be picking up all the good stuff as well. Exactly. Yes, That's exactly. a true... That's why we differentiate between an empath and an intuitive empath. Mm-hmm. An intuitive empath is going to pick up everything. Good, bad, mm-hmm. ugly, neutral, beautiful... Uh, somber. It, they're going to pick up everything. And the reason why they struggle is because they can't tell who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it, Where is it within them? How they process it? Whereas a psychic vampire, or what most people like to call empath, um, only only ever absorbs the negative things. Yeah. Because fear, anxiety, all those things are so palpable off of people. There's a reason why there's the saying of, I can smell, the dog can smell your fear. Yeah. The dog can smell your fear, but will usually respond to happiness just as well. But they're going to respond with fear, with fear. And so. Can we elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think that that could be something that could confuse people. Going back to what I kind of asked you a moment ago. Or, or what I said a moment ago, that intuition cannot be rooted in fear. Intuition cannot be rooted in um, fear. And the reason for that really is because fear, when it comes to spiritual growth, fear is something that fear we, is we need to face, absolutely, because mm-hmm. it's always there, but it's there usually for us as a test. Yes. Right? Fear is that line we need to cross. Right? We need to be bold, we need to be courageous, and we need to face our fears when it comes to the spiritual. Right, yes. As long as it's something that we know is not going to get us into serious trouble, cause us like, serious harm, or, or traumatize us in some way, we need to challenge that fear, we need to have that experience, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how we grow, right? In every sense of the word, in every aspect of our life, right? But fear, if we choose to stay there, fear shuts us down. And that includes our psychic and spiritual abilities. That includes your intuition. Fear will shut down your intuition. Yes, it will. And so that's why when I say you cannot root your intuition in fear, that's that's what I mean by that. Yes. And that's what Austin was also explaining. Anything else? Nope. No? All right. Um, Excuse me. I think in a roundabout way, we've already kind of answered this one. But just to be clear... When is thinking? When is seeking a second opinion a good idea? Always. 
Yeah. And it's always good to seek a second opinion. Even if you don't agree with that opinion, even if that opinion doesn't drive with you, it is always good to seek a second opinion. Always, 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 always. Well, what do we always say? We always say like three sources. Three right? sources. Three sources, um, which means it could be three opinions and you might get three different opinions or you might get three of the same opinion. It doesn't matter. It is always okay to get other perspectives. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. That is how you truly grow That is, and that is how you truly define your own practice. Yep. All right. Okay, so this is a fun one and this is going to, earlier you started to kind of go into like the conversation of red flags. So Ashley thought it would be kind of fun for you and I to share some of our personal red flags when it comes to spiritual practice, uh, dealing with other spiritual practitioners. What are, what are some of what are some of our personal red flags? My, the personal red flag that I usually get is I've worked with yeah I work with this deity, this deity, this deity, this deity, this deity, this deity. But for some reason, they aren't consistent. A red flag for me is someone who uses spirits like vending machines. Okay. That is a red flag. Um, another red flag is someone who can't back up their lineage. Okay. Well, that gets tricky, though, because not every tradition or practice will have like a, a concept of lineage. You're right, but you can still source the books you've read. Uh, Which, if you're an entirely self-taught practitioner and all you've done is read books, that's your lineage. Okay. So if you bring it to me and you say, oh, well, I read that you should always cast a circle because the circle is the most magical and most important tool in a witch's toolbox. My response is going to be, oh, who taught you that? To which your response is going to be, oh, well, I read it in the Silver Raven Wolf book. There's your lineage. Oh, God, that's that's scary. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to differ with you on that. I, I don't I don't feel that to be a true lineage. It's not a true lineage. OK. All right. But it is lineage in the sense of where did it come from? Source, I guess. Uh, uh, the, the sourcing. Okay. If they cannot if they cannot give you a. Uh, a source, the, I guess. The, the references, the, the reference of the resources the of your yes. practice and your information. Okay. Exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. I can get behind that. So, so that's okay. that's what I was meaning. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Another red flag is the constant. Uh, I don't want to say arrogance, but like a very imbalanced, unhealthy ego. One way or another. Yeah. So I was I was gonna say that I was gonna say one, a big one for me is the the person that knows everything. Yep. You know, um, and you know, and they're or they're unwilling to admit they don't know something. Mm -hmm. And they plant their feet and they refuse to move. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Happened today. Oh my goodness, that person that came into the store was oh god, they were a nightmare happened today with the no no it's this deity and i'm like no no as a matter of fact it's not no because this and i'm like well no and then of course it just kept escalating i was like okay well i have initiations in this yeah well i have two and i'm like there's no such thing as two initiations but okay that's fine mm -hmm. we'll just move past that yeah. um and she meant she was a second she had her second reiki attunement is what she meant Cool. I'm Reiki assuming. doesn't utilize I'm, that. I'm assuming. Um, but so, so it was just so frustrating because I'm like, you are planning, you are going to die on this hill. You're going to die on this hill that the statue you're buying is actually, as a matter of fact, this deity when in fact it is not. 
Yeah. Bost is not a lion. Bost is a panther. Is a puma. Sekhmet is a lion. The fact that you looked at that Sekhmet statue that has a very obvious lion feature and you went fast even though the tag said segment well i i think it just that that right there was a big red flag in that particular situation because to to look at iconography or depiction of two different goddesses who are twins be, be they similar in aspect they're both feline mm-hmm. right they both have strong cat well they are twin sisters associations right but to look at the depictions and, and to be honest it's not even about that it's about the other shit it's about like how are they clothed yeah you know like it's what headdress are they wearing exactly which headdress are they wearing what which, weapons are they carrying symbol, exactly because you're not going to see many calm or depictions of bastet with scimitars with wield, wielding weapons exactly where Sekhmet she's always got blades yeah right she carries a razor don't piss her off um you know and so anyway so yeah, so for, in that particular instance, for them to, that person to struggle to clearly identify, I was like, you can't really work with the gods you think yeah, you're you, working with. You don't with clearly you understand decipher this. these very basic representations. So what are you pretending to be right now? And it doesn't matter. Just buy the statue, mm-hmm. you know? But 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 look at, look at where you're at, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was waiting for you to just totally unload on that person and i'm so glad you didn't because i we don't need that in the shop mm-hmm. but yeah but from the other room i was like oh my god austin's gonna lose it yeah i can maintain cool yeah it's hard though sometimes yep yeah. so those are some of my red flags um other red flags are are, are very just basic they're red flags that you'd find with anyone else it's that it's that oh i'm gonna tell you or or if they're trying to read you without your consent that's a red flag yeah um or telling you that actually, as a matter of fact, this one piece of jewelry you're wearing is actually charged for this or, or something like that. You know, it's, 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 it's the things that you honestly, like your red flag radar will go off and it always happens. It always happens. Yeah. How about you? Um, well, you, I think you, you kind of sort of touched upon another one there for me, um, with the, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, kind of, kind of connecting to, uh, people who know everything. Mm-hmm. Right is also that situation that we see with people who usually they're self-appointed elders, mm-hmm. right? I, or self-appointed I, I, high priests. I, 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 can't even, I can't even use the term elder anymore with any degree of, of clear conscience, just because it's become so twisted within our community. I used to, I used to have, I, I used to like to refer to myself as an elder in the community and an elder within our coven, and I can't anymore because assholes have ruined that word. Um, anyway, but usually these self-appointed experts or elders, right, who not only do they know everything, but in connecting with them in some way, you know, it also becomes very clear they push this. Like, you can only get your information from me. Mm-hmm. Like, there will be information on this from a lot of different sources, but only what I tell you will be right. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and in doing that, you know, it makes it very clear. Like, they're not really interested in teaching you at that point. They're interested in being a cult leader. Yep at that point right now your spiritual path is all about them yep right you know so that's a big one for me um that one and then um i guess another one that i struggle with and i guess these are all as i'm thinking about this and i'm saying this these are all kind of somewhat related but people who do the um they're very totalitarian mm-hmm. in their approach or their view on things right like i get this a lot with oh sorry i'm just i'm just 
I'm just calling everybody out tonight, but with Wiccans or people who are coming from an eclectic, like you can tell they've learned a lot of their practice, even if they don't identify as Wiccan. Mm-hmm. They've read, obviously read a lot of books from Wiccan authors, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. No problem there, right? Well, but, 90% but, of the authors out there are Wiccan. But there's a lot of confusion around a lot of that Wiccan stuff, right? Because again, people pick and choose what they want, right? Mm-hmm. Or what they want to believe and what they want to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the ones that we hear a lot within the community, anytime the conversation of baneful magic comes up is rule of three, rule of three, rule of three, you know, and like, and these people that are then like, like, well, I read this in a book and this is something I've applied to my practice. And because of that, I'm going to completely disregard all of this historical and archeological evidence that tells me that before Wicca was even a dream in Gerald Gardner's little, little head, that practices and folk magic traditions involved baneful magic for centuries, millennia, that this was the thing, right? All of that now means nothing. Yep. Right. None of that was real. Right? And we don't ever do curses. We don't ever do hexes. We don't ever do baneful magic because this one book I read said no, no, no. Yep. Rule of three. Rule of three. Right? Well, most of them don't even know what the fucking rule exactly, of three means. I was, I was just going to say, and we understand that what a lot of people interpret the rule of three to mean is totally not what the fuck it means, right? You know, and I, you know, and I, and I, and I hate to use baneful magic as the, uh, you know, as the example in that that particular situation, but but that's very often when that discussion comes mm-hmm. up, right? Like, well, told you this, it's power over rule of well, three. Oh, another know? another and, and red flag like, well, is like that... you've you've set that limitation on your spiritual practice for you. And just like people with karma, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, don't do these things because karma. It's like you have you, which is an appropriated spiritual tra- yes, tradition. If you are someone who calls yourself a witch and you are operating under the concept of karma, you're full of shit. You're not a witch. You're a liar and you're a thief because you have stolen karma from other religious practices, other spiritual practices. Stop. Anyway, so. But that's that's in essence that's kind of what it is, right? Like like you've chosen this and you've made this your spiritual reality. Wonderful. But you don't now get to tell everyone else in the community that practices differently that their practice is wrong, mm-hmm. right? We saw this I think a couple years back where people were all over people who practice ATRs and Lukumi and these kinds of traditions where they still do animal sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? And you had all of these bleeding hearts. Right, all of these people. Some of them weren't even witches or spiritual practitioners. They were like members of PETA mm-hmm. and shit like that. They were like, "Well, this is evil and you're bad and this is wrong, you know, and you're killing animals, you know." And you've got all these people and these practices are like, "We we've kind of always have done this." And there, trust me, it's not about we're not enjoying killing these animals. This is part of the tradition. The spirits ask for this blood. They want the sacrifice. This is what is necessary, mm-hmm. right? You know, and you've got these people that are now of defending their spiritual practices against people that they shouldn't even be giving their time and their attention to because these people are clearly idiots, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? But that's kind of the same thing. You've got these people that are like, well, this differs from my experience and my belief and practice, which means that whatever you're doing is wrong, mm-hmm. you know, even though all the evidence out there would, would speak to the contrary, mm-hmm. right? You know, and so those people are the ones that raise a lot of red flags for me. Yeah. Um, Anybody who identifies, going back to an episode we did recently, anybody who identifies as a Christian witch or a Muslim witch or a, who the fuck knows, right? Like, people who walk that fence, and I'm not trying to say, I'm not I'm not debating the legitimacy of that or not right now, right? Although if you listen to our episode too, too back, you probably know exactly how my feelings are or what my feelings are on that. But so, but that's not the point. The point is, is that when I hear that and I see that that is someone who has, who is walking that thin line or straddling that fence, that raises a red flag for me mm-hmm. because that tells me that 
you can't be fully invested in one spiritual practice while you're trying to still thread together the the split ends of two practices mm -hmm. that don't align at all. Mm -hmm. Well, and that that that's 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 a really good red flag just in general is like if you have someone who's claiming to be a Wiccan third degree high priestess yet is also um, claiming to be uh, a Peruvian shaman who's yes. also claiming to be yes. um, XYZ, then that that's a red flag. You know, those things don't go together. Uh, it's like when people are like, oh, well, yeah, I practice Stregoneria, and I'm like, so you practice Alexandrian Wicca with Italian seasoning. Yes. No, it's real. It's true. It's really ancient witchcraft practice from Italy. And I'm like, it's it's not. And then, well, what are your sources? My sources are that my great-grandmother practiced Italian witchcraft. Not folk magic, Italian witchcraft. And yeah, well, I mean, there are lots of other sources, like yeah. Carrot Crisis. There are a lot of other historians and yeah. archaeologists. Like, sorry, the little Italian witches yeah. and their families weren't casting circles so, and calling quarters. No, they were not. Nuts. Wicca. So it's it's seeing the influence of those things in other practices that have nothing to do with each other. I think those are those are those are like I think my big ones. Yeah, there are there are probably a lot. If I sat down and actually made a list of things that that raise red flags for me, um, someone whose entire spiritual practice evolves around <clears throat> just getting high. Yeah, okay, that's another good one too because we see that a lot. People that come in like, well, I use. Entheogenic herbs for all my stuff. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I also use entheogenic herbs for things. You know, I'm Same. not trying to say no. But but if you have to get high, to like, have an experience, particularly like party drugs high, where you're not actually using like natural shit. Yeah, like if you're you, popping ecstasy like, to cut to yeah, to, like to, you're to using dance with something Ecate. that was like made in a lab yeah. that has no real connection to nature. You know, you're buying it from some shady drug dealer. You know, um, and it's cut with God knows what. Mm -hmm. You know, like that really at that point, that I think ceases to be, and you have to do it every time. Mm -hmm. Every time you do a spell or a ritual, you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's not a spiritual practice. That's addiction. Yeah. Vice versa, uh, going back to like someone who tells you everything to do, like it has to be this way. The, the there, there's there's an opposite into that. The person who doesn't actually know enough or have enough information and just tells you, well, what do you feel? Well, what do you feel? Yeah. It's all about how you feel. What is what does your gut say? And um, I worked in a shop. It's a very whose intention is all that matters. Yes. kind of a mentality. I, I worked in a shop whose response to people when it was, well, what kind, of, what what color of candle would you use for um, for a protection spell? And without fail, it was, well, what do you feel you should use? And it's like, bitch, they asked a question. Give them an answer. If you don't know it, get, find someone who can. Well, black. I, I, You're going to use black in protection. Or well, red. I, I or white. To elaborate on that, it's not even in that particular situation. It's not even about the the inst or the, the, the particular color. Because I, I could see, depending on different people, different cultures, different practices, I could see how someone might, you know, might buy a pink candle. Say they were doing protection on a small child. Pink could be a totally appropriate color. Okay. Right? Yeah. But... I think in that situation, for me, it's kind of like the okay, like you in the process of trying to give me an answer, like you gave me nothing. Yes, like, well, you, did, like you didn't try to give me. Well, an and answer. all that does is tell me that you don't actually know your craft. Because if you are a witch who knows your craft, and someone asks you a question, what color would you use? Because they're in there, it is. Yeah. What color would you use, or what color would be good, or what color would be used mm. for a protection spell? 
you as a witch should have enough knowledge to pull from that and go, well, I use this color. In my tradition, we do this. Yeah, we have noisy street traffic. X, Y, you know, so on and so forth. However, not every tradition does that. Chances are, if this person was a learned witch, they wouldn't be asking you what color would you use for a protection spell, which means they're a novice. They're probably just beginning. They probably might not even identify as a witch. They've just started and they're just trying to do their first spell. So yeah, you need to give them more information than just, well, what are you there? That gives me another red flag. But before I go there, I want to say, first of all, because I know that someone who listens to our podcast was someone else who also worked at that shop. Yes. And we love her. Yes. And I want to say that I think that the reason that we on occasion maybe heard her give that answer is because the other people that owned the shop were basically making her life miserable. Yes. And, and preventing her from actually being able to really meaningfully connect with mm-hmm. the customers and clients in the yes. store. And they, I think on more than one occasion, I recall actually hearing conversations like, we don't tell people what to do because it's all about their personal experience of their own craft and their own... And I'm like, okay, well, you can't take that position and then also still appoint yourself a, a, an elder and a teacher with exactly. the community. And I wasn't talking about that individual. Cause, no? No. Because okay. I, I, I saw that from... <laughs> more than just that because you, well that's something you see happen in a lot of shops and in a lot of like, shops well what do you feel it means it's like thank you for not answering my question exactly you've left me with more questions put this down and leave your store because you obviously are not someone who's interested in helping me exactly on top of that if you're in a store you should probably want to try and make a sell well, I, yeah. Well, along that line, I want to say, because we're talking about how we could reverse these things, I can see that being kind of the other case, too. And I guess this is where I'm talking about less a red flag from, like, a teacher or an elder in the community, and really kind of more of a red flag around just dealing with just other people in general within mm-hmm. the witchcraft or spiritual community. When, Like, because we get this, right? Yeah. Like, you had this experience earlier today, right? We were relating with a woman that came into the store who argued with you over who Boster Sekhmet were, right? And statues and depictions mm-hmm. of them, right? Um, but, you know, but we you and I both have had that interaction with a few other people, not just here in the shop, but I mean, in other places where we've taught and we've done other things, right? Where someone will ask you a question, understanding like I'm here, I'm the teacher, you know, you, you, you paid money to Mm -hmm. come and see me and to hear what I had to say, which means on some level, you must have some, you were acknowledging I am a teacher, right? You know, by doing this, otherwise, why the hell did you spend the money? Right. Um, You know, and they'll ask a question, and you'll give them an answer that is a good answer and an answer that you can back up with, like, not even witchcraft practice, but, like, historical shit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, because it's not the answer that they want, then they they argue. Yep. Like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, it's like, then why the fuck did you, you ask, ask the question? Yeah. It's like, was this some sort of weird I gotcha kind of moment? Yeah. Like, what, what, were you trying to trip me up? Because yeah. now I have seven or eight different references that I can give you that will prove to you that what I just told you was fucking accurate. Yep. So you can walk out of here and you can choose to believe that what I said isn't true, but not only I, but the rest of the world will tell you that yes, indeed it is. Mm-hmm. And historical texts. And, you know, and so, yeah, so that, that raises red flags in me too. When I see people that are like unwilling well, to learn. Yes. It's like that cognitive dissonance. Yep. It's like, if you really don't want to learn, then just shut the fuck up and live in your little bubble. Yep. You know, Agreed. don't waste my time. I have other people to deal with each day that actually want to learn. Exactly. You know, and I would rather give them my time and my energy. Yes. Go, going back to the reference that I was giving before with what do you feel? Yes. Uh, again, it was not who we both know. Okay. <laughs> Good. Okay. I don't. I don't want her to get her feelings hurt. Because we no, were talking about I would her. never do that. Okay. I, I love. I love her so much. Okay. It was not her. Okay. It was. It was actually the 
both owners of the store that would do yeah. that. Both owners. They yeah. were more apt to give that answer than anyone else. In, well, there was another person in the store who would get that. Yeah. But again, again, because if you actually were genuine and asked this person, like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I've never done it. That would lead her down a road of let's educate you. Oh, yeah, she would. She'd go Because right, she's, go, okay, you know, gonna, a walking encyclopedia yeah, exactly. of gonna, fucking witchcraft and mythology. And she is really so. absolutely amazing and stunning, and I love her, and I would never say anything like that about her. But I was referring to the owners and how the owners actually pushed that. Because that's oh, another did. thing I was going to say yeah, is, is, no, we can't do that. Just like, well, no, we can't actually have you making these things. You have to follow this prescribed method yes. because, um, because, well, what, what about the coin? What about the coin? Like, well, bitch, they're already paying for the well, fucking spell candle. It doesn't think, fucking matter. I, 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 in the aftermath, after having successfully removed ourselves from that very toxic situation and thinking on, about that, not that I do that much, but for a little while there I did, you know, it occurred to me that one of the reasons that they had us always kind of go back to or insisted that we always go back to like their prescribed methods is because one of the owners in particular was convinced that she owned witchcraft. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You even tried to convince one of our coven members, like, well, everything you learned, you learned from us. I was like, uh, actually, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not how that's that okay. Anyway, that's okay. Anyway, enough, that's enough, that's enough shit talk. Really. Um, you know, one last thing that raises red flags for me, people who identify as baby witches. When you call yourself a baby witch, oh, God, I get, and that's a huge red flag for me. And not in, not in a way that I think that there's something wrong with you necessarily, but when you do that, there's a tiny part of me that's kind of like... <sighs> like, you're not taking like, this seriously. Like, you're not taking this seriously. What are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. Right? And why do you fucking care so much about what I think that you have to throw that qualifier out there before you ask me a question? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you really want to grow into the being of the big badass witch that you want to be, or whatever you want to call yourself, you're not going to give a shit about what I think. Babies... Right? have to grow up eventually yes and i i had someone who i've not necessarily been mentoring but like helping out and like giving suggestions here and there coming in the shop the other day i think it was saturday yeah i think it was saturday saturday or friday one of the two all and the days just blend together a, a day ending in y and they were like oh well i'm still a baby witch and i stopped and i said we've had this conversation we've been working and you have been asking me questions for like two years now you're you're, you're not a baby witch and if that's the case, I'm not selling you a candle. I'm not selling you oil. I'm not selling you an herb. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to tell you to get an audiobook and suck on your binky. Because, no. Nothing tells me that someone is not taking their path more seriously than when they go, well, <laughs> I'm a baby witch. And I'm like, ew, it's disgusting. Um, how about instead you go, well, I'm I'm really new to this. Which, that tells me all I need to know. That tells me you probably... And my usual follow-up from that, and most of ours, is going to be, okay, but how new? Like, you know, do you know how to ground? And the response is no. Like, okay, so then you are really, really new. That's cool. That's awesome. You're, 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 you're a greenhorn. Awesome. Cool. Let's get you down this path. Let's give you some information. Let's direct you towards some books and direct you towards some classes. But when you say, that just makes you go... You really, this is just fun for you. You want to put little things and crystals in a jar, seal it with wax, go, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. 
and then go, my life is so bad. Someone must have hexed me. I'm going to do a return to cinder with lemons and cinnamon because I saw it on TikTok. That's also another red flag is when you are only referencing social media, Pinterest, and TikTok. Oh, God, yes. Yes, I, I had someone who was very upset with me a couple weeks ago because I said on our social media feeds that you basically owed yourself better than being a Pinterest witch. Yeah. Which and oh boy, boy, they were really mad at me about that because obviously they're a Pinterest witch, um, you know, and they should be allowed to practice however they want to. And, it's like, and that's true. Yes, you're absolutely right. You should be, but, but you I'll, should not be I'll teaching other people. Be honest. I'm I'm interested in results oriented practice. Yeah, and if you're a Pinterest witch, I can't imagine you're getting too many actual results. <clears throat> because at least seventy five percent of what's on Pinterest is bullshit. Well, and most of it is all just DIY self care. It's, it really is it. Yeah, a lot of it I wouldn't even say is really witchcraft. It's all more like new age slash, you're right, like self, self-care yeah. kinds of it's shit. Like, which huh. is fine because we all need self-care. Full moon right? healing bath. You take some Epsom salts and yes. you add some roses, jasmine, and lavender because it's always roses, jasmine, and lavender. Yes, it is. It's never any other herb. It's never any other thing. It, uh, it's well, always would, roses, lavender. That would require learning more Yes, herbs. it's always roses, jasmine, and lavender. And you throw that in the bath with all of your intentions, and you pray this this thing, and you draw a pentagram, and you sit in the bath and soak all your cares away. It's like okay, that sounds like a spa day. That's basically what it is. It's yeah, like it's a spa. Now you want a real spiritual bath? Uh, how about you uh, instead get some? Fresh lemongrass from the grocery store. Some fresh rosemary from the grocery store. Go out and find some roses. Throw that in there. Get some hyssop. Hyssop grows everywhere. You can find it at most garden centers. Go get some hyssop. Get some basil. Throw that in there. Do some actual work. Find out what those things mean. Say, basil, you are going to do this. Hyssop, you're going to do this. Throw that in there. Do an invocation to your spirits and not only soak, but submerge. Submerge. Every part of you needs to be touched. Every part of you. And then air dry. And... That's a true spiritual bath. Yes. Not going to Bath and Body Works or going to Lush, which don't get me wrong, I love Lush. Bitch, your homie loves Lush. I love it. I love I it. I am a Lush. You are. You're drinking right now. Um, um, it's not alcoholic. This time I promise it's not alcoholic. I know I always say that. I always say it's not alcoholic, but this time I promise it's not alcoholic. Hmm. It's just... It's just Dr. Pepper. I don't drink that. You drink more than I do. Anyway. So, but that's that. So, anyway. So, Austin, we've talked about a lot of things tonight. Um, and we're not we're not done yet. Um, I realize we're, we're, we're running a bit long on this episode. Um, what have we learned uh, kind of along the lines of what we've discussed tonight in just in all of our years of practice? You know, I think... To be honest, we really we we probably have already shared that through the process of answering some of these other questions. But is there anything that you've learned in all your years of practice around some of the issues that we've kind of focused on tonight that we haven't maybe shared yet or that you haven't shared yet? First, I know that a lot of people are coming to witchcraft from a religiously oppressive background. I know that. So the last thing you want to do is jump into another religion. However, don't, don't, don't have a bad taste in your mouth for structure. You know, I know you're coming from a place that was super rigidly structured, but 
that's how you lived your life for so long. And so trying to go from complete and total structure out into the abyss of witchcraft that is so vast and endless, you need some structure. So if that means getting that Cunningham book or getting that Buckland book and learning a little bit and being maybe a little bit more uncomfortable while you work through some of those exercises and some of those things to get some structure around that, do it. It, it It's okay. That's another thing. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. That means you're either growing or you're being challenged. Healing, witchcraft, magic, just those things in general aren't always going to be pretty. As a matter of fact, a lot of the time they're 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 ugly. But it's up to us to find the beauty and the purpose behind it. And then the last is I've learned to again check sources, follow that gut instinct, follow that follow that those red flags that you see, and keep those tucked away somewhere. Keep that like okay. Like, I noticed that this happened with this person. I don't know if it was a fluke. I don't know if it was just a one-time thing or if this is just who they are or if it was a front. But I'm going to keep this tucked away. So that way, if it happens again, I, I'm like, okay, that th- this is actually who they are. And I can walk away. Learn to say no. Learn to set boundaries. And understand that you don't have to limit yourself to just what your ancestors did that's one thing that i have really gotten adamant about because there are so many people who are oh well i'm super super white which means i'm nordic so i need to follow that spiritual path and it's like you don't you need to be respectful of the paths that would be closed to you due to your ancestral lineage but that doesn't mean that you have to go be an also true practitioner that doesn't mean any of that expand your horizons expand it and learn from it read a book that might not interest you just so you know it doesn't interest you and i always tell my students that you might have no desire to be wiccan at all but you'll never know until you read books about it you might have no desire to work with crystals at all but what's more knowledge around that subject going to do? It's not going to hurt you. It's most definitely not going to hurt you. So those are some things that I have learned. And to be open. Open to change. Okay. Open to change. <clears throat> All right. And constructive criticism. Okay. Alright. Um, How about you? I'm I'm going to keep it simple and say that there are educational resources for our spiritual practices everywhere. The entire world and every experience is a moment of education yes. for us as spiritual practitioners. Even things that you don't think connect to your spiritual practice, those two. Those two are also moments of education for you in your practice. Um, the last thing I'm going to say on that is that the more I learn, the less I know. And I I embrace that. For me, that is very much a component of my personal connection to divinity and uh, 
No, I think that's a good philosophy. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really good. I would agree with all those things. So all right. One one final note here, Austin. So what what do you feel what do you feel that not just you and I, but everyone who really cares, everyone who is invested not only in their own spiritual practice, but in doing what they can to try to cultivate a community, a society where everyone is given the same opportunity, right? What do you feel that we can do to be good gatekeepers or to support others in our community, um, particularly in ways that would be of the most benefit to future generations of practitioners? I think a lot of us are doing it right now in the sense that we are making sure that we are decolonizing our craft. Um, I think that is the biggest proponent of that. However, you also have to understand that gatekeeping, the word gatekeeper, means something. And for as much as everyone's like, oh, that's gatekeepy, that's gatekeepy, that's gatekeepy, it's cringy, oh, that's gatekeepy, you have to understand that the individuals who are gatekeeping, legitimately gatekeeping, not, well, you can't do that because I say so, but no, you shouldn't do that because of X, Y, Z, and they can give you reasons behind it. They're already doing that. They're already looking out for you. So what can you do to be a good gatekeeper? Um, Or what can we do as a community to be a good gatekeeper? Mm -hmm. Acknowledge where you have overstepped your bounds. In order to be a good gatekeeper, you have to acknowledge where you once were wrong. Because that's how you're going to know to keep that gate. Another thing you need to do is you need to acknowledge that people are going to get upset when you gatekeep. Telling someone no to something that they really, 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 really want because it's super cool. And your response is, you've not earned that. They're going to be upset. And there's not much you can do about that. Two, keeping facts there. Being historically accurate. Making sure your sources are true. And allowing your sources to shift as they they need to. There's a reason why a lot of authors will republish books. It's because a lot of the times something has come out where they're like, oh, that actually wasn't accurate. That was a lot more UPG than I wanted it to be, and I need to be more true to myself. So they go through, they edit that, and they republish it. And that's why you get second editions and third editions and so on and so forth. Um, And that's something that we as gatekeepers need to do, is we need to be willing to shift change and adapt so that we can continue to not only decolonize our craft but keep it safe for those who are trying to learn safe within reason witchcraft is not always safe so i i think i answered that for me oh that's good that's good i i was you know i was gonna say i um Rather than answering that question, because I, I think, again, with a lot of what we've already discussed tonight, we really, we've already we really kind of answered that a lot. Yeah, use your common you sense. Know, like, you know, put yourself in a position to, you know, to, uh, well, no, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Okay. I, I think I think we need to, to reassess what the term gatekeeping means within the spiritual community. Yes. 
because I see a lot of people throwing that word around, that term around. It's like it's kind of like like the word or the term narcissist, right? The mm-hmm. word narcissist. It's like we live in this world now where anytime anybody does something that you don't want them to do or anybody does something that you don't like, oh, they're just a narcissist. Yep. Right? You know, or, you know, and, and you know, they're just, you know, and they could just be in general, just, just, you know, maybe like a fairly selfish person, right? Or maybe they had a moment where they did something that truly benefited them over you and maybe you're the selfish person. Yep. Right? You know, but we go, oh, you're just a narcissist, right? You know, and so that's become this very buzzword kind of a thing, right? And I, I see the same thing happening with gatekeeping within the witchcraft community, specifically. Um, and I think we need to uh, redefine or we need to look very carefully at the, the real meaning of that word and, and how we use that word. Um, because gatekeep, gatekeeping is not a bad thing. No, how do how, how um, do some of the traditions, how has have some of the traditions survived without gatekeepers? Gatekeeping is is protection. And I think that we need to look at it as such. These people that are like, well, you just don't want anyone to have access to this. And it's like, that's not true at all. We would love more people to join the club, but we want those people to be people that are going to approach this respectfully, with respect, with honor, and do what they can not to create any kind of trouble or to harm those in the community that are already carrying the tradition. Yes. Right. You know, and so I think we need to, again, look, be more, more careful and more honest about what we identify as gatekeeping. Agreed. I also, I think it's good to remember that we're talking about gatekeeping gates open under the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. And when you approach the gate in the right way, when you approach the gate with the white right key, it will open. Exactly. When you, you approach you the to, gate with the right you earn demeanor, it. you earn it. Exactly. If you do, if you to approach the the gates of Buckingham Palace and say, "I want in," their response is going to be, "Well, they they're not going to respond at all because the guards don't want to talk to you." But you're not going to get anything. Yes. Now, if you approach and you have like, "I have this," I, here's the valid reason as to why I need to enter. Those gates will open for you. It's, it's not a, it's, I don't think in any situation or in any instance, it's ever like a, a 100% no, absolutely no entry mm-hmm. kind of a situation. I think the gate exists to make sure that those who are on the other side of the gate who are already apart continue to have a sense of safety mm-hmm. and continue to have the structure that they need to be able to continue to do the things they do. Yes. The people that are on the outside of that gate... You know, it's not that they're never allowed entry, but that gate is a conversation point, right? It's a, and, and I think sometimes also a challenge and a test for these people who yeah. are seeking entry. How bad do you want it? Like, how badly do you want this? And what are, are you willing to do the work? Do? And, and are you willing to, to prove that you deserve this, not only to the other people here, but to yourself mm-hmm. and to the spirits of these yeah. traditions you know and so i i'm i'm definitely a proud gatekeeper people who listen to the podcast know that already um but i i think that that is something that we need to do we need to really be very careful about how we continue to use that term um beyond that in supporting our community particularly for future generations uh, all i can really say is to we need to continue to show up for ourselves mm-hmm. and i know that might sound really weird because i will be the first to say that if any of you who are listening to this podcast think that your spiritual practice is just about you and it is it is a lot about you it is about you but if you think that what you're doing with your spiritual practice is only ever going to impact you you are fucking fooling yourself because if you're really involved in a spiritual practice that is working 
that is going to change your perspective. It's going to change your behavior. Mm -hmm. It is going to change the way that you fit into the world as a whole, mm -hmm. which is then going to cascade and affect the lives of everyone around you. Yes. So your spiritual path is very much that. It is yours. It is all about you. But everything connects. Mm-hmm. And I think we also need to continue to show up for ourselves and our spiritual practice and our, our the way that we learn it for that reason. Because we, we can't be worried about what the person next door is doing until we, we make sure that mm -hmm. our house is in good order. Yeah. Right? What do they say? Like, mind your own cauldron. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and, you know, and so th that's an important piece. But I think if we can continue to do that, um, we will make sure that we are still creating a community and a world where people have people in future generations still have access to these things, you know, um, and that there is, uh, I would say some sort of, you know, some sort of sense of an elder that would be available. I would, I would hope to teach and share information. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's probably a lot more I could say on that, but that's okay. We, we've, we've gone on long enough tonight, I think. So, so. Do you have anything else you'd like to throw into this episode, Austin? No, I just want everyone to continue to send us suggestions. It's been so awesome having listeners, I almost said readers, listeners send suggestions to us because it really does help us know, one, what you want to, what you want to learn, what you need to hear about, um, and two, it helps, It, and this is going to sound really selfish and weird, but it helps kind of alleviate it helps alleviate the stress that we do because we enjoy doing the podcast. We enjoy doing that and we enjoy giving that information. But between Mike and I, we can only come up with so many ideas and topics before we're like, well, I think, I mean, yes, yes. I, I think what more likely happens or, or really what, what more I would say more consistently happens is it's not that we run out of ideas because you and I always have shit to talk about. I think it comes down more to like, do the people who listen to the podcast want to hear about yeah. this? Right? Because I can go on for hours over dumb shit that entertains and, and, and fascinates me. Right? But I'll eventually get wise to the fact that everyone else in the room has either gotten up and walked out or has fallen asleep. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I think that's really kind of what it comes down to. We yeah. want to make sure that what we're continuing to speak on is something that is truly of benefit to the people who are listening. Because if it isn't, then podcast over. Done. We're not going to do any more. Right? Um... Yeah. We, we, we have had some really cool suggestions. Yeah. And along those lines, we, we will be recording the next podcast just as kind of like a teaser. The next podcast episode is going to be on specifically uh, etiquette and method for cemetery slash graveyard work. Um, of course, within the traditions we are familiar with, because Austin and I do not know how every tradition around the world is going to do those things. Mm -hmm. Um but also uh, uh, necromancy. We will be discussing uh, necromancy to some extent on that episode, and, and I know that's something that is it seems to be kind of interesting a lot of people these days. I don't know. Everybody's trying to get really active with their work with the dead, I guess, now. I don't know. But we're kind of getting into that time of year as well. Yeah. You mentioned on the last episode we're kind of getting into spooky season now. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, I'm so sick of summer. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of a cool thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about ethics, are we going to be talking about ethics just for the, the, the cemetery and graveyard? Or are we going to be talking about ethics like of potentially when you go to a community thing? What do you mean a community thing? Like if you were to show up to a community ritual. 
Oh no, this is just about cemeteries okay. and graveyards. Cool. Yeah. No, we we could do a, a, a talk on community. That kind of conversation gets very tricky because we, you know, words like community really irritate me because you use that word or we, I use that word. We throw that word out there, right? Community, right? When 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 in reality, a community is a bunch of tiny little pockets yes. of people that all choose to kind of band together for well, particular reasons. What right? I'm saying is like <laughs> when you show up to the public full moon ritual that's being led by someone, yeah. what are what's the proper protocol and etiquette around that? Okay. And okay. so the, how to approach it. Okay, so the etiquette of basically public ritual, public ritual, public events, public public spaces and classes okay. as it would pertain to witchcraft and spirituality. Okay. Let's save that maybe for the for the following episode okay, because cool. that is a good topic to go over okay. and one that we see oh god a lot of people really just don't have a clue when it comes to that. Um, yeah, so that is probably a good one. No, but the next one will be primarily about Okay, cool. About death work, Sweet. And, you know, and necromancy. So, um anyway, it'll be a bit it'll be a fun one. Cool. Um all right. Well, Austin, thank you so much. I love that you are my co-host. And, I love that uh, you are my co-host. And uh, that we have fun with these. Yes. And, uh, maybe for this next episode, maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we'll see if we can find a, a third voice. That'd be nice. We'll see. I don't know. So, anyway, thank you, everyone. Thank you. And happy witching. <laughs>